This just in to our Columbia Broadcasting News Bureau. Anti-Jewish disturbances are now being reported by authorities in both Cleveland and Indianapolis. Fellow Americans concerned at the civil disturbances that followed Mr. Winchell's speaking engagements, this president will do all within his power to prevent any further harm from coming to the citizenry. We have to get out. They closed the borders. I thought that Lindbergh would be good for everyone, for the Jews, for everybody. The I, riots I thought... are not because of Lindbergh. I believe he is a good man. Does it bother you at all what's happened in this country? Well, the question seems to be whether you're still willing to act on that. I mean, I think we're Americans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the conclusion episode of The Plot Against America, the after credits. Y'all already know what this is. We on part six. I was going to say it in Spanish, but I fucked myself up. The homie Jack with always was goody, bro. <laughs> What's up? Why were you going to say it in Spanish? Just because I do that sometimes. All right. Why not? What's up, man? It always takes me back to uh, one of my favorite scenes ever from the Powerpuff Girls back in the day, when they're like, "Oh, you know, you all, you all have your special powers or whatever." Like, bub- like Bubbles' um, ability to speak Spanish, and she just, and she just says, "See." Sí. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, you guys remember, like always, to rate, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend that April Fool's playlist is in there for your head top. Month of April coming to an end pretty soon. Gonna have that May playlist already in the works. Gonna get it out the first day of May. Not playing no games. Already know with some hits. Jack, I done sent you like five albums. We talked about that before. You know, a lot of that shit's gonna be up there. More Still, music. I've not listened to any of it, but uh, I, I, <laughs> I'll try to check some of it out. I, I understand. I, just, I understand some isn't really your lane. I, I, I definitely get that. <laughs> I can imagine like. I can imagine you're amazed if y'all say pulling up or whatever. It's like, what the hell are you listening to? Whatever, like fucking West Side Gun talking about yo capping niggas while up in Paris. You gonna be like, what the fuck? We were actually listening to um, some 2000 Club bangers while we were playing uh, board games the other night because that's like our high school type music. And I was just like, I can't believe like this just doesn't seem like you at all. But she loves all those songs. She's like she's like she likes country and stuff. I'm just like, Ooh. man. I mean, I'd rather listen to this straight up. When it comes to country, I'm just like, oof. And we'll start playing that. I'm like, Ooh. but yeah. also last thing. By the time you guys hear this, it'll already be out. Me and my brother actually linked up or whatever. Shout out to G. He's dropping his new pod. Uh, Meet me on the roof coming soon. But we linked up together. Did the Prince Around the World in a Day review. It just turned 35 literally today. If you're listening to this day, it drops. And the four-year anniversary of Prince's death. So we talked about the legend. 35 years. 35 years, man. When did he die? 
Well, no, no, well, he, he, the album was 35, but no, he, no, 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 I know that, I know that. Yeah. Oh, um, was, was, well, he, he died in uh, 2016. Okay. He passed in 2016, and shout out, bro, he literally, Prince dropped an album, like, every year, except for, I think it was 83, he missed out on 83, but, like, literally, like, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 84 was Purple Rain, and then 85, the album we did. He dropped the album every year. Good for him for getting that Super Bowl appearance in, too, before he passed, because that was one of the better shows. I might need to check that. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But you guys know why we're here, getting into the things. Plot Against America. Last episode was kind of sad to see it go. Yeah, I've... Talked to one friend who's been keeping up with it, and he didn't realize it was only six episodes. He was like, that's it? And I was like, I mean, they were kind of up front with it from the start. Like, it was only six episodes. But, um, yeah, um, I think we're going to be doing a lot of retrospective through the entire series. And, you know, just to make a point of it, um, obviously we've acknowledged that HBO has been doing their own podcast about this. With, Shout um, out to them. Yeah, with David Simon and um, Peter Sagal. But, um, you know... I think we're going to my at least myself is going to lean a little bit more on that than I've tried to in the past. I, I don't want to just reiterate everything that they're saying about when they're talking about the show, because obviously it's redundant. But um, <laughs> D- David Simon talks a lot about the direction of things from start to finish. His conversations with Phil Broth, all those kinds of things that make more sense to bring up now that we have the series as a whole. And it, it's kind of unprecedented that you get the showrunner talking about the show like the podcast drops like two minutes after the show finishes so like it what it was what like uh probably three hours of total access of interviews with him in general mostly be talking about the last one because that's where he talks about most of the stuff but just up front like y'all know gonna talk a little bit more about themes and things like that do you guys i mean well you jack do you think they were do you think this was recorded like all like one sit down do you think they got together weekly you know like sometimes hbo like the end or whatever like i noticed what like whenever i watched girls and it was insecure or whatever like they'll have lena or Issa or whatever like okay on this episode you know such 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 happened and it's all like you could tell either like one shoot or like, I, like at least with like lena one time and then with Issa, i was like okay she has on different outfits and they have them different people so these are different shots but what do you think about how they recorded this part I think it was all one big thing, or at least split into two, um, right. just because as the nerd that I am listening to NPR podcasts and your goes, <laughs> wait, wait, don't tell me, ever since Corona popped off, they've been doing remote episodes for that, and they clearly did not do remote episodes for Pod Against America, because you would def- he would def- definitely acknowledge it. So, yeah, I think it was all done. And I don't really know when the show finished filming either. So, yeah, like it... I, it We'll get into it, but it seems like the show was dropped at a certain point in time intentionally, so it might have been done for a little while. I mean, it came at a great time or whatever, because I can literally just take and dissect and rewind, and, you know, like we just talked in pre-production, which, God, that still sounds so cool to say. For real, but also, we're going to get into why, but because it's an election year, um, these things are very um, in-the-moment relevant. Yes, sir. So we started off this last episode, September 1942, with Herman getting a lot better at the warehouse job, you know? 
So it's been six months, five months, I guess, since he's the end of the last episode. Again, I don't know how long these episodes go narratively. This one right. for sure was like, you know, full fucking speed ahead. This is the episode we've been waiting for this whole time. And you could feel it basically from the outset from this exact scene, basically what uh, ends up coming on the radio. But uh, yeah, dude's been uh, using them Epsom salts, I guess. I didn't sit back in my couch at once. Like I was on edge like, holy shit, what's next? Yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about it. Right, so he's in, you know, he's getting better at his job, and it's at this point that we found out that Walter Winchell, correct? Yes. God, I'm, I'm like, God, I don't want to mess his last name up. Um, he was attacked. Well, so there was more vap of violence at another rally, and I didn't catch the location of this one. I kind of tried to make points of writing down what cities they were talking about on the radio and trying to pay attention to that. I think they just talked about a rally and that there was violence in the same way that there was at the last one. And, you know, again, it's all media perspective, how they kind of um, turn the lens on how they talk about it. Like in the, at the last rally, they just talked about the fact that there was violence at the rally, not who initiated the, the violence. So I think all that kind of, um, you know, goes back to fake news, all that. What's really oh real? God. What's just being reported? All that kind of shit. Right. From there straight into, you know, I wrote down our MVP, which, you know, uh, Earl's, Earl's been gone, but, you know, our other MVP, Alvin. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to change our opinion by the end of the episode. Uh, also, Herschel's or Herschel. Whoa. Is this Walking Dead? Herman. Never watched. Um, dude, it, it's good to, up to a point. I heard uh, it was good up to a point. I, I have heard that, but um, we get to that point. Listening to the radio, he says, you fascist animals. <laughs> oh, that's a good quote but yeah we're with alvin um at work yeah and um they're like dancing around and everything my man's like moving pretty good for like a guy with one leg until you know what is the boss's name because i told you i, I still got it wrong and he literally said that at the end of the episode i'll tell you in a second but um they, they mentioned doing the fishtails dance you ever heard of that one is that is, 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 you on, think that's tootsie no. slide level nonsense <laughs> Oh no, that is a, that is a question. <laughs> I've no, I've never heard of that. It's Mr. Shap. Can, can can you do can wait? Can you do that dance? The fish tails, dude. I was not born in the forties. I have no I idea. Mean, hey, we know you weren't born. Hey, well, we we might not know. Hey, who knows? But I mean, we don't. If you, I was gonna say you gotta do one of them, bro. You, if you can't do that, you got Tussie slide one or the other. I'm not gonna Lindy hop. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Boss came up in there, whatever. Fuck Mr. my pain. <laughs> my pain, you guys, what did he say? He, he had a word here. I can't remember what the fuck the phrase was. I got it. Am I paying for this floor show? And I was like, <sighs> I've been there before, you know, old grocery store days. Do you think he, by this point, he feels like their relationship is on solid footing as the dad? Because I'm sure that's a contentious thing to begin with in general. Like we we get we get a better feeling for that later, but do you think now it is, or he's just like get the fuck to work? I I think a little bit of both. Yeah, honestly. for sure. That was what was in my head. Um, on to best giving Philip a stamp from Canada. Um, from Shepsy. That's who. It was. Okay, got you. Yeah. Uh, so Shepsy wrote them a letter, and uh, best saved the envelope so she could give the stamp to Philip, and you can see how appreciative he is of that. Which I thought that was really dope, you know, innocent little moment, which we need those this episode, good lord. Badly. 
<laughs> um. Oh my God! What in the world? My notes want to do right there. Um. We then can... are. Oh, sorry, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, we're then at the bar and. We oh wait, run... no, Sorry, I will stop you real quick. Um, Philip ends up running outside or something outside the house, and he sees that a new family is moving in, and you can clearly tell by the language they're using. It's an Italian family. So... Now I'm glad you said that because I didn't catch it until later on. Right. Um, well, I had the subtitles on, and it said they're speaking Italian, <laughs> so I cheated. But uh, <laughs> these damn um, subtitles, I still, dude, it helps. It helps. I'm telling you. Um, so their predominantly Jewish neighborhood is, you know, everyone's selling their property and moving as per the Homestead Homestead Act. I mean, obviously, we know the Wishnows ended up moving, so. Um, the new family moving in is an Italian American family, and he, you know, hands down the mezuzah. I don't really know how to say that, but it's like a thing you put over doorways in Jewish houses. And like the Tony, it's the Kakuza family, which sounds like Yakuza, but they're Italian. That's confusing. And uh, mm. they, they, he hands it to the kid, and he's like, "Oh, you can take this. You're Jewish." <laughs> yeah, that I was like. Mm. Yeah, it, it puts you on the wrong foot with the family, but uh, we find out Tony is the shit. Wait, was it Tony or Tommy? I had Tony. I mean, dude, he's Italian, so it's Anthony Tony. You might got a point. I it is Tony. I, I know for a fact. Yeah, I'm, about to say, I'm gonna just like when we get off that, I'm gonna just end that with um. That's my worst. Oh yeah, you know we can pick we can pick um we can pick D to like play with us or whatever. You know, so I'll play basketball. <laughs> oh, I that's, know that's literally been said in an old neighborhood I was in. Well, yeah. Um, but it's funny. It's like it's another family of people that is at the same time at least recognizes the fact that they could be oppressed in the same way the Jewish families are. So it becomes an interesting dynamic between them during the episode. But uh, we might have a new favorite character. Tony's the shit. <laughs> Um, all from there to at the bar with Alvin, mm-hmm. you know, the blonde ting from earlier, the bar, as, as you quoted her, what, the bar chick? Barfly. The bar, barfly. <laughs> they just keep buzzing um, around, man, you know? She's back in one of, which we find out one of, um, Alvin's old military buddies is, um, back and he found him in Philly. Now, did you know he was in Philly? Cause I didn't know this. So, I mean, he lives in Newark. Philly is not that close to Newark, but I, it's definitely a bigger city. So, like, if you're not going to go into NYC, the next big city to go run at would be Philly in that area of the country. And, I again, I, I'm going to bring this up way later, but right. I'm, I think Alvin is getting a little mobbed up with like entering this relationship with the Shap family. Cause that I was kind of implying, I feel like this job through Shepsi's uncle with the Shaps is somewhat mob related to begin with. And it, it, I think some of that kind of exposes itself later in the episode. Okay. Anyway, I like, yeah, you would have no reason to know he's in Philly. Um, I wonder if that's a normal travel spot for them to go chill. It seems far to me. Which oh, about that? I definitely go to you. You here because you know, and listeners know I'm not well traveled. Um, real quick, um, since we looked up how far Newark was to Canada, it's an hour and a half to Philly from Newark. That's that seems like a long time to go to the bar. Oh, but, that's big facts. Especially but, the cars back then. Shit. Well, it's not like they were gonna not drink and drive, and also like you know, 
it's the forties. What the fuck else are you gonna do? This is also true. I mean, you read a book over candlelight. For real. Um, Herman's a little spooked out about what he's hearing, what like what's happening on the radio. Of course, he's in front of that radio. Yeah, that comes up again. Um, so they're talking about the riots in Detroit, which I wonder if that's where the first rally was. And then they're talking about um, Jewish folk are fleeing to Canada. There were additional rally outbreaks at Cleveland, Indiana, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Office shout out. What about that? Um, <laughs> and uh, I wonder if it's just, well, I'm pretty sure it's just like everywhere that Winchell is going and having these political rallies, they're targeting those rallies to incite violence there. It definitely appears that way to me. For sure. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. Jesus. Just a lot of this episode, I was like, oh, my Lord, man, please, Lord, just let them get through. I was like, please don't let no one die, at least that, you know, in the immediate family. So then, like, Herman is doing, like, farm pickups and stuff for his job. I have written down that Herman leaves. I guess maybe someone picked him up to go make deliveries or something. I don't know. I don't remember yes. that. Um, what? God, I'm blanking on Monty. Monty. He's sitting in the mall yes. or whatever, and he's like, yeah, you know, it was him and this other dude, just a random kind of guy that works, I guess. Oh, they were on the route, and they heard the radio in someone else's house. I think that's what it was. Or farm, whatever the hell it was. Right. I, I, it's not important. We can move on. Um, Back to the bar with Alvin, and I, I'm going to let you go in here because, you know, I'm sure you got more written notes as far as, like, you know, they're kind of just talking about how, you know, Alvin had fucked up back then. So we find out it's his friend Billy. Um, I don't think either of us went and rewatched episode two where he was actually, or two or three, whatever, where he was actually. Is at that war. the dude? Um, where he, he was in, he was drinking with at the bar with the chicks or whatever. Probably that would make the most sense because it's definitely not the other guy that he learned about pulse navigation with. He just seemed no. like a totally different guy. So yeah. that would make sense to me. So um. Um, we talked a little while ago about if Alvin's story about how his injury happened was true. And, um, mm-hmm. Billy says, you know, you got folded up back in Norway and we, all of us wanted to kill that Jewish guy, but you know, you kind of fucked up essentially because two men that had to get him and save him and save his life got shot while he was being saved. And, uh, one of them kicked the bucket and the other one is still shitting in a bag. So Alvin clearly didn't know any of this. He's trying to explain it off. It's like I wasn't right in my head at the time, which we know from a fact that he was not right. He says maybe right. he wasn't cutting out, was not cut out to be a soldier. And um, Billy's like, "All right, bro, like we're going somewhere else." And he's like, "Why?" He's like, "All right, just come with me." Goes outside, and you're like, "Oh fuck, this." Yeah, like right the- here. Did yeah. you think okay, he sold him out to the feds? Cause that's yeah. Right, okay, I'm glad it won't just me, because at first, I literally, my notes, I had to go back and change it, because I wrote The Resistance. <laughs> but yeah, at no. first, I wrote down, yo, did he give him to a Nazi? <laughs> like, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, it, like, th- there have been a bunch, of, like, this is why the last episode, I was like, big twist moments that you didn't expect, kind of thing, right. like Her- Herman st- wanting to stay in New York. Like, the show has done this a number of times. We talked about it when he was coming back from Canada, and there's the caravan of the cars, or like, uh, what the fuck is going to happen? Like, this was obviously one of them, but then it gets revealed this guy is British, he's not FBI, and his line was, um, 
basically something to the extent of, do I dress that badly that you thought I was the feds? Yeah, that was kind of funny. I laughed yeah, at that. Hang on, bro. Laughed at that one. Uh, we go from there into Bess is waiting on Herman to get home as there's some like sketchy looking dudes outside. And I want you to like get this last part. Didn't Herman say something like they were trying to bribe the Jewish families? Like explain that one if you can. Because I was a little bit like, huh. I will in a second. I'm just going to okay. go over the radio stuff again. So a Baltimore Religious Academy was burnt down. There was an explosion in Buffalo um, that injured 70 people. All that's just playing on the radio, I think, while Bess is inside. And then Herman goes in. He mentioned something about Dookie Glick. And I was throwing I don't know what he's talking about. And apparently um, – he was some guy that I guess was he the guy that gave him a ride home because um, he got out of the car and he came inside and he mentioned so, yeah. so he mentions that he Duke this Dookie Glick works for Longy Zolin and that's the numbers guy that's the mobbed up guy so um, he is sort of mentioning that Longy Zolin put his men out on the streets in the neighborhood to protect Jewish families hmm so clearly the community is kind of trying to rally together and like obviously like everyone kind of realizes some shit is going down right now and right. you know i mean weird moral dilemma that the numbers gangster guy who is basically probably running this illegal lottery <laughs> that is basically just collecting money from whoever's dumb enough to play it um is helping out but you know it's one of those times like you know we we get later on there's like there's just gunshots in the streets shit is going terribly like i was getting wild so good on that guy for at least being like i guess my numbers game is going to go to shit if everyone dies so uh (laughs) (laughs) right because i'm I'm gonna talk about later whenever like you said about the gunshots last thing i want to say before we get off this scene because like, I heard you mention Buffalo. I was like, you know, like the one album I sent that West Side Gun joint, mm-hmm. Black Dudes from Buffalo. Oh, fair. Yeah. Oh, you know. we, are not, we are not done with this scene, by the way. Uh, go in. Go in. Yeah. So I, they're still listening to the radio. And um, Herman is like, you know, there's definitely it's just people inciting this violence because he was there for the one rally. So he knows it's these white supremacist groups um, that are. And are starting it, and he says, um, "Dry leaves waiting on a spark." Um, that was wow. Yeah, I'm mean, great line. Um, and then Bess hits us with the line from the trailer: um, "Lindbergh is teaching us what it means to be Jews. We only think that we're Americans." And um, Herman's just like, "Which I'm gonna fuck this line up because it's a tongue twister." But they only think that we think that we're Americans, but like if they think that we're going to run and they think that we're going to like, they think they can just plop us down in Kentucky. They're wrong. Like those people are the others, not us. Like we are Americans. And I'm glad this is HBO. Cause if this was some trash ass shit right there, you would have got, you got another thing coming. Tell me, tell me, unfortunately, some terrible audio track. I'm coming back with the bars this episode, bro. Don't get it twisted. Uh, I mean, this is the episode to get them all out. But that was obviously um, 
a big moment for the show in general, but it's going to kind of flip on Herman in a little bit. Like, you know, that's been his attitude this whole time, and he's still resilient at this point, and he's going to get weak at a certain other point. But, um, mm. you know, we, 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 we see how it plays out for him. Right. All from here to... Uh-oh. Uh-oh, it's coming. It's coming. The return of Rabbi Bangelsdorf. And uh, I, I want to talk to the first lady. Him and the first lady are talking because your husband, you know, Charles Lindbergh, he needs to talk about what's going on in the community right now. I'm glad you're taking on the role of doing the Southern accent because I swear I got it good for like one episode and I fucked it up every time since. So you're now going to be... <laughs> Hey, bro, reciting Bangledorf lines for the rest of this episode. I'm not gonna hey, try man. anymore. I'm trying to tell you whatever. I I, I tell my I, I tell M the joke now. It's only a matter of time until she comes and meets one of my uncles that lives uh, back at the house and everything. And when I tell you, you can't understand the word he's saying, but I can. <laughs> it's like no, some I, down I, south, super black, like you know, a lot of mumbling, not a lot of teeth left, like accent and if i took you back home you wouldn't be able to understand him either but i can understand about every other thing i've been a part of that um on the opposite end of the spectrum i lived in pennsylvania for two years after college and there was a lot of northern country kind of talk i was just like yeah Mm. like i I can't no fucking idea what you said (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so bengelsdorf is pleading with ann lindbergh for her husband to make a public statement, obviously Charles Lindbergh, to ease tensions with the Jewish people. I mean, I, I'm sure people within his community are coming to him because he's the man empowered. He put himself in this situation, and he's right. trying to exercise that influence. No one man should have all this power. Hey, Kanye was speaking the truth. And he hadn't lost it yet. <laughs> Has he lost it? You didn't listen to um, Jesus is King, so no, I didn't actually. Um, when we were listening to 2000s rap the other day, um, something on not College Dropout. What was the second album? Late Registration, my favorite one actually. That album's really good. I was telling stuff I yes. really that album, and I was telling her I was like, I heard some of his recent stuff was okay, but I haven't listened to any of it. And she was like, I only know him from the Kardashians. And I was like, okay. Oh my God! Same with I'm telling you, man. Her and him, they gotta meet one day. <laughs> I, they'll get along. Yes. Because <laughs> I have to watch Ian Bravo too. Mm. Oh yeah, she doesn't subject me to her trash TV, thankfully. Which and again, wait, we we should just make a small note here. So, you know, the garbage television that women like, like um, E Bravo. Stephanie's watching Gossip Girl right now, but like, oh my god! I, I guess I'm mostly speaking to um, reality television. Right. That's their sports. Oh, facts. So I try not to shit on her too much about it. And like, if you if you want to turn your brain off for a little bit, and like, I wouldn't say I turn my brain off when I watch sports, but like, you know, it's just an easier watch in general. Like the action's just happening in front of you. It's not there's no like subtext to what's happening to the most part unless we're gonna talk about the MJ documentary and stuff. But like it's very just easy watch. I'm like, just let it go. Like they're they can have that if that's what they want to get into. So don't judge hey, your women for their trash TV. 
Jack's not gonna do it, but I am because um, <laughs> she can't. She can't. She can't shit on me or whatever. But then want to talk about like, uh, like well, here it is. I can't shit on her or whatever. But she shits on wrestling every time. So I'm like, you know what? I enjoy it. If you want me to defend your wrestling stuff right now, you're not gonna get it. So oh, I know I won't. But it's not for everybody. But hey, shout out to Portland listeners. Ah, ah, ah. Um, I totally get it. I just it's not for me. Uh, Alvin getting into the back of this van. The uh, laundry van, right? Okay, right. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. The laundry van because I'm like, oh shit. So this is the resistance because I'm like, God, please don't let. I'm like, the Nazis got him. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And then I'm like, oh, okay. This is. And they're like, they just like, we need you. And I'm like, and now I hadn't put the two and two together as far as the pulse whatever joint from earlier. The pulse navigation. So do you know? Yes, yes, do you remember why they said to him? Um, what am I trying to say? Um, why did I, he's like, why did I get in this van and like meet you all the way the fuck out here and do it? Remember what he said? I do recall that, but go ahead and finish it. Oh, he's just like, we're trying to make sure you weren't followed out here. And then everyone that's in the van is either like British or Canadians. So it's clearly foreign nationals in the country. It's very unclear what is happening and it's done intentionally. I can tell. I don't have it written down, but I know at one point the British guy, who was the guy that we met earlier, um, and again, he was the guy that was waiting outside the bar for him in episode five that we all thought was a, a FBI agent, but it was this guy. Right. Which I'm so glad because I was like, oh, God, okay. Thought they right. had him, man. Thought they had him. So he makes some kind of comment <laughs> speaking to the fact that the borders are closed to them, so we need some insiders if we're going to make shit happen, is like the gist of the conversation. So Obviously, I, the intention there is that because um, Britain is involved in World War II, America has closed the borders to them in order to keep their isolation policies um, when regarding World War II. Mm. And then um, – so he, he asks Alvin, he says, are you willing – are you still willing to act? Referencing the fact that at one point he was willing to act – he enlisted himself in the Canadian Army in order to fight in World War II. And um, Alvin says, why me? Um, basically, do you still want to fight fascism? Like, are, are you still invested in the cause? And we're going to find out how he feels about if he is invested or not in the cause. Most of, most of. From here we get into. I'm assuming Bess is at work still, or maybe you know, maybe I'm wrong. But I assume she was at work. Uh, looking over my notes real quick. She was at the same like kind of big she was at the store from earlier. Okay, the store there. Got you. Yeah. So and, and she is waiting for the elevator at the store, and um, some of the patrons of the store are having a conversation about what's going on in Louisville, and I'll let you take it from there. Yep, because then we find out that Winchell has been shot in Kentucky. And they, she is rushing to get the hell out of there. I mean, like, guess I'll blame her. They straight up said he got his head blown off. Right. Like, she's rushing home to call the wish, the wish nows because, holy fuck, Kentucky, oh my God, are you okay? So here's where I want to make a point of um, show conversation in general. Like, you remember we didn't get to see what happened to Alvin, and that caused us some speculation in terms of whether or not um, 
we would have seen that or not. And David right. Simon directly addressed that and said, if we had more money, we might have shot it. Yeah. But in this situation in particular, and I didn't realize this until he, I heard him talk about after I watched the entire series, um, he said straight up, there was no point of view character there for it. Therefore, it had to happen off screen. So he um, references the fact that they approached the series from a six character point of view action. So there's the Levin family, the four of them, Evelyn and Alvin. So there's six point of view characters. Those are how we view the lens of the world through. I don't really know, because obviously I haven't read the book, if that's how the book is structured. Because I feel like from what I have heard about the book, Philip is like the dominant narrator. But right. the in terms of like Game of Thrones and the novels, The Song of Ice and Fire. It kind of switches up, right? Well, yeah, that whole book structure is based on whoever the narrator is for each chapter because it's their point of view in terms of what's happening, which is a really interesting narrative structure because you're able to have unreliable narration based on the feelings of the person who's watching what's unfolding in front of them. So it's interesting. I, I didn't realize they were shooting the show with that in mind. And then it just plays to the fact that Bengelsdorf is not one of those POV characters. So every time up to this point, we've been like, why the fuck is Ev in this meeting? Like, what does she have to do with any of it? She's the POV. Right. Which makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not trying to make a big point about it, but I think it's just interesting. Like, an interesting way they decided to shoot everything to... And he does lean on this a little bit in terms of like why not flesh out the narrative more about Lindbergh Lindbergh was just the person they chose to prop up as what the isolationist community in America would choose as a presidential candidate because they did approach him as a presidential candidate because of his celebrity could actually get him into office in general and mm-hmm. the story is not about Lindbergh or his anti-Semitism to begin with. And I think we see that play out throughout this episode in terms of how policies are start to change and shift, whether he's involved or not. It's like it's not a referendum on Charles Lindbergh himself. It's a referendum on what would happen in America through the story of this Jewish family if things happened this way. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, I didn't. Mean, I didn't mean to take a huge tangent there. No, you. I, I told you, you are good, man. Trust, because yeah. you, you you know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, we get in back to the rabbi. We need to speak to the first lady. We we need to do it, and she's not having. She's having. Which I mean, at this point, they're. I mean, they're just getting shut off again. Well, it's pretty much right, no. like the dinner all over. At least to I me. don't. I don't necessarily agree. I think that because of how the episode ends, Anne is on board with him. And I think there's a reason that all of his connections that we've seen through the lens of Evelyn um, interacting with the administration as a whole has been through the First Lady is because she is sympathetic to him. Her husband may not be so much. So all he can do is 
have his pleas go through her in order to get Lindbergh to come out and talk about it. Whether or not he's being frozen out, we don't know because we don't have the perspective on that. It, that could potentially be the case. But at this point, he's just going to his one source, trying to get his message out, and doing it through the lens that – or the uh, spokesperson that could provide it to him. So, like, he understands the limits of his power, but, you know, this is where he starts to realize how much – involvement he has in this whole thing to begin with this next scene this is where you alluded you like spoke about a little bit earlier but i guess we're gonna go ahead and get in depth on that yep to Bess is home and she tries to reach um selma correct selma wish now yeah selma wish now she's not there selden answers the phone and you know she's like he's kind of freaking out like yo like my mom's not here like he's oh, like she's kind not kind of freaking out at this point but he's, oh, he's still not, he's not, himself he's not, right he's not out of it yet okay I got yeah it. um so i think best heard over the radio about what happened in louisville obviously with winchell getting killed so um best is getting home she gets home she tells philip get a map Tell me where Danville is in Kentucky so I know how far that is from Louisville because she's trying to reassure herself if the Wishnow family was anywhere near there at all. Puts in a long-distance call, which I don't know if you caught this. Do you know how long-distance calling worked back then? No. So you had to call the operator because they the operator, instead of being some robot like it is now, was a so – like a person operating a switchboard. So basically, if you wanted to call from here to here, it was expensive, and they had to actually plug your line into where that line went so the call could actually go through. So like the term operator comes from the fact that there was a physical person there operating on the phone lines and coordinating all the calls. I don't know if that's interesting or not, but there you go. Um, so she's new. new to you. Yeah, I came towards the end of... um. Uh, God, what what is it? The phones where you had to um put the coins in and shit. <laughs> Pay phones. Pay. There we go. See, see how long it's been. You start to forget. Bro, one eight hundred AT and T. Let's go collect calling. I only recall because I had to use it one time, like before I got a cell phone, and I had to call dad <laughs> to come get me from school because the track meet was done. And did like you, a couple of weeks later, I got a track. Um, I got my grandma's big block track phone. Did you do the right thing though? So when you collect call. It would be like, record your voice so the person answering can know who is calling. And then it would actually connect. And then once it connected, it would charge you for the call. So you would, it would be like, record your voice to tell the caller who's calling. Beep. Hi, Dad. I'm at the movies. Go, go, beep, beep, please, bye. Nah, I never had to drop that hang one. Up. <laughs> nah, I never had to drop that one. That's not like, right. a, that's not like right. a phone version of a page. Yeah, it basically was. So taking advantage of the collect calling system, not getting charged to home. Um, my older listeners will know what I'm talking about. Saw that my pops with the pager back in like '96. Dude, Steph still has a pager. I mean, that's different. She needs a pager. No, they can. <laughs> they just don't want to pay to actually update shit. Well, I can imagine that too. Which I know you can probably break that down for me off air or whatever. Yeah, we're definitely doing that off air. Right. So, <laughs> so Selden picks up. He's waiting for his mom to come home from work, and he's not freaking out yet, but. By the fact that she's calling, 
he's starting to freak out. Right. Basically. Because I had already had it written down where, like, she put Philip on the phone. So, yeah, she puts Philip on the phone. Um, and Tell him you Phil- miss him. Yeah, Philip or Selden is just rattling off a bunch of kid shit at Philip. And Philip doesn't care. Like, he's just he just feels bad that he's there to begin with. And Bess is like, just do him a solid. Give him you know, a reassurance in life. Which and tell was, him, we, we yeah. understand that in this situation, you know, that shit took me back to Loki. Yeah. Or and I actually, I actually meant to like call her earlier and I'm probably going to do it after if it's not too late because I know she's not going to answer to a certain point. But like my mom's like, okay, yeah, you know, call your grandma. And I'm like, y'all play me. I'm like, call your grandma. I'm like, okay. Oh. Hey, grandma. And then grandma has me on the phone for like the next 20 minutes talking about everything. Dude, I. I had that too. My my grandparents have passed, so um, it's there. When your mom is telling you to do that, yeah. um, do it because you don't realize how fast they can go. So oh, facts, man. That's why I'm like, I, I'm definitely gonna do this after because I couldn't do it before because like, I it, bad as it sounds, I kind of knew. Okay, if I called her before like we started this, we wouldn't we wouldn't have started when we started. No, I understand that. But... <laughs> you know what I'm saying. As a real talk moment, like yeah. as an older person, slightly than you, um, yeah. take advantage of that because you don't know when it's going to be over. Most of. Most of. So then um, <laughs> Bess is like, all right, listen to me, Selden. Write down on a piece of paper, Miss Levin called about what happened in Louisville. What happened in Louisville? Write down <laughs> what happened in Louisville. Is, this, is Phil going to visit for my birthday? Right, it's like my birthday's coming up next week. Uh, was it next week and everything? Did he come and up? I, have no I don't friends. have any friends here. Yeah. <laughs> did I say Which already? Like, what's up? Or, did I say already that um are are you do you are you like um well versed in South Park? Up to a certain season, so yeah. Let ask and I might know. You know Kyle's cousin Kyle from New York. Nah, I'm drawing a blank right now, bro. Okay, that's Selden. Hopefully anyone else gets there. Coffee gives me gas. Uh, wait, wait. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds familiar, though. Hold up. Yeah, so, um, like, his, like, very stereotypical Jewish cousin from New York comes to visit Colorado. He's like, the air here is so dry. Like, oh, my lips are getting so chapped. And I think I like, do recall. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Selden. Oh, my God. So, like, yeah, Bess is just, like, straight up, like, in shambles a little bit. Like, you have no friends. You're by yourself. Your mother's missing. Like, reality is starting to set it on Bess on what's happening there. And he, she can tell that Selden doesn't realize it yet. And she's right, I mean, just... She's just like, cause I, she, I get everything, which, I mean, you do as well, of course. I'm not saying that. Like, we get where Bess is coming from. But at the same time, it's like, you're talking to, like, what, a 9, 10-year-old. Right. So He's going to be a 9, 10-year-old. Like, you know? Also, a very interesting shot they had in the episode where it was a tracking shot. So when the she's on the phone with him, the camera starts out very far away, and it slowly and slowly, slowly pans up on her, so you can actually see her reactions to what he's saying. Uh, good cinematography. It was also at this point, or whatever, my homegirl that I told, I keep telling you, like looks like her, snapped me, and I snapped her back and was like, "Yo, this is your double. What the fuck?" Mid episode. Yes. Nice. What'd she say? She never hit me back, so we'll see. 
I've told you, I guess I know a lot of doubles because I've shown you my homegirl who I was in her wedding. And then I told I, I literally showed, you know, our other friend, Whitney. And I'm like, yo, y'all look alike. Like, it's y'all both short, too. It's ridiculous. Is she you not remember that? Is she tiny like that, too? Bro, I'm shooting it to you in a second. Like, Hold up. Go not, ahead. not just short, but like skinny. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Right. All right, so uh, we're moving to the next scene. This is a crucial scene, so I don't know if you want me to take over on this. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go right in and explain it to the people, and then you go off. So yep. we find out why the dudes have recruited Alvin, and they it's show, because of they, his training. Yeah, so they show up at the warehouse. Alvin is still has no idea what's going on, and he gets out of the truck and he sees what is clearly the pulse navigation system that he was trained to use in the Canadian Army. Um, the, the American guy who's in the, who was in the truck is like, I told you, I worked logistics, which apparently he w- worked logistics for FDR. I didn't catch that during the episode. I don't really know. That was a David Simon thing, but it's implied that like he worked for the government. He's a logistics guy. He moves things around. He's able to find what's going on. And then you see the guy in the background where the U.S. Army logo is on the device. They're sawing mm-hmm. it off. Right. So they clearly stole this from the army. They're using it for their own purposes, and it becomes more evident why they're being so protective about it later. So they're not affiliated with the government at all, and they have their own shit going on. Which I was like, okay, so vive la resistance! Right here. (laughs) To an extent, but it gets weirder later. Yeah, which I I cannot wait to ask you about that, because I was, you know, like a lot of times I'm just like confused, and I'm like, you know, this is why, and I repeat, Jack is on this show. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to help you out. Hence, little plug or whatever. You know, me and Jack talked about a certain pod that is going to happen, and I went back and I've talked to my cousin who is a lot older than me and was actually around in the '90s to talk about a certain subject that me and Jack talked about. I'm just going to leave it there, but Jack knows exactly what I'm saying. So, also hype our NFL free agency draft podcast. We just did. Yes, exactly. By the time you guys are listening to this, the draft will be the day after. So check out me, your boy Jack right here, ah, 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 and the homie MJ as we go through each team, all fucking 32 of them. All fucking three hours of our conversation. Hey, it was needed. We hadn't done NFL in like months. By the way, we're not going to talk about it again until closer to the season. I'm just going to tell you that now. Shit, what else? What else? Well, I mean, MJ um, might want to um, do something, but that's not um, it. Unless the draft is crazy, crazy. We don't need to do it. Again. Also, I want you guys to remember that right here or whatever, because Jack says that now until the Giants do something that just irritates him. He's like, I'm getting on a fucking pod, Darius. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll hit you up. I'll hit you up. <laughs> you'll, you'll know before I even hit you up what happened. Also, I'm going to be uh, video chatting with my friend over the draft. So if you want to get in on that, let me know. Hey, oh, I said, because I don't know what I'm doing yet Thursday. We'll talk. We'll talk. For sure. Um you done with this scene or not yeah next we are going into what was this family called the um, italian family like on, on in like next door or in the basement or whatever the kakuzas yeah oh god well see you gotta say it because i'm i'm gonna butcher that kakuza you, you'll be fine it's not that hard okay they you know knock on the door and like you know the levens are kind of like oh shit what was happening i think they herman grabs a bat right which yeah. i mean i don't blame him yeah I've come to the door with a golf club before. True. 
Don't get it twisted. Golf club will hurt the hell out of somebody. Fuck yeah. I have, I have lacrosse sticks in the house. <laughs> also, he is really talented with these lacrosse sticks, guys. Don't get it twisted. I'll never forget the fucking tailgate where him and my man went out there and like threw the like lacrosse. Who was that? Because I can't uh, remember that was the his homie name. Derek. Derek. Yeah, no. Derek should play lacrosse. Derek, Derek is fucking huge. Like he, he would dominate playing lacrosse against all all these white boys out there. I, dude, sorry, I'm totally going on a tangent. It's all good. Go ahead. Go I, ahead. I, I'm not gonna press you anymore about watching The Wire, but they talk about it on The Wire. Apparently, one of the characters, Bunk, who's this like overweight black detective, is talking to some guy at one point, and the the guy he's talking to, who's some criminal, is like, "You played that sport with the stick at school." He was like, yeah, man, I played lacrosse. And uh, I was listening to this podcast today, so there's no reason I remember this. And he was like, yo, you know, all those white boys shit their pants when they saw the bunk coming for them. <laughs> hey, that takes me back to, I don't know if you have or our listeners, um, Get Out. When he was like, with your frame and your size, you'd be a beast. I mean, true, though. I, I <laughs> There, there, there was some twins. This was back in like 2013 that came out of Hamilton, New York. That like legit took the college tour by game. I mean, like, or um, by by fire. That like their game was really strong. It's like, dude, like, like I, I gotta stop. I, I, I gotta stop. Go on. So yeah, they they come over and it was oh, it was Tommy or uh, Tony, whatever you called him, and his son, and they have a cake. Yeah, and to- Tony and his son. You know, we see him slide um, Herman a gun. So they brought a cake and they brought a gun. Hey, bro, the essentials. Which, by the <laughs> way, by the way, in the background, I don't know if you caught um, again radio conversation. Forty-six deaths. Don't really know where it was, and lynchings had occurred. Jesus. And I think they mentioned the Negroes there, which I'm only saying it because they said it. But there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Herman is talking to him. He's like, I don't really know how to use a gun. So, like, I appreciate it, but I don't need it. Do you want to take the quote? Can I do it? Can I do it? Yes, please. Do you have an Italian accent? That'd be the best. I, now, now, if I fuck this up, don't get mad at me, guys. <laughs> Come on, it's easy. You point out of your shoe. You, uh, you cock the gun, pull the trigger, you shoot. Not too hard. <laughs> Which, you know, we find out. Herman Herman can figure it out. He's fine. Little side note, you shot a gun before? Fuck yeah. Did you learn before you moved down here? Um, yes, actually. <laughs> that was an even bigger question because growing up down here, like literally, of course, my family had never done it, but like by the time we got to certain parts, I literally had two different redneck homies who were like, We're gonna t- we gonna teach you how to do this today. No. One of them made the comment of, you know, so you don't fuck around and try and shoot it and cock it sideways. And I was like, come on, bro, chill. That is a fucked up thing to say to you. And, um, <laughs> um, yeah, when I was in New Jersey. Parts of yeah, for sure. When I was in New Jersey, I had a friend that lived across the street. And his family had some kind of farmhouse out in the country of New Jersey. Which there is country in New Jersey, surprisingly. Um, and we were just, like, shooting a Coke bottle with a rifle. And I, yeah, I've shot guns a couple of times since then. I would actually like a gun. I'm low-key leaning on maybe Steph's family will just give me a gun so I don't have to buy one. But um, make sure you register your guns, folks. Um, big mistake if you don't. 
I about to say, look, we could talk off, we could talk off air or whatever, but me and Austin was literally talking about that about a week ago. So, also, yeah, like, don't not register your guns and get a needless charge putting it exactly about that. Like, the government's not coming for your guns, people. It's not going to happen. Don't just be register. absurd, but just be smart. Exactly. Use your Second Amendment right, but also don't use your Second Amendment right to protest about being locked in your house for five weeks. Come on now, preach there. it, please. Uh, let me just say this real quick now, just because it's relevant. Um, there was a Reddit post the other day, might have been yesterday, where um, it, the title was basically, Americans don't know how to express um, anything that they want to protest, so they just call it communism. So there was a <laughs> sign of some lady holding up at one of these stupid-ass protests. It was like, I don't remember the sign exactly, but um, isolationism, which I I think that's the reason I'm using this, because we're talking about this podcast, but it's like staying at home, being forced to stay at home is communism. And there was a sign from like a protest, and I don't know when, but it was a black and white photo, and it was about segregation. It says, mixing the races is communism. Dude, like, again, the American first isolationism thing, I would I just say it. I know they pissed Drake's the biggest artist in the world right now. I'm just going to say it again real quick, just because David Simon talked about this too, but do you understand your own rhetoric in terms of, like, how Trump started his pro like his campaign to begin with he pulled the make america great again thing which was also ripped from ronald reagan in 1984 make america great again but this america first nonsense is from this era that shit is not revisionist history that was real shit so like when you are thinking you're being like this whole new school we want to be this not world police america talking about we don't want to be over there in Iraq, which most of us don't want to be there anyway kind of thing, Where wherever we're fighting our wars overseas. Those terms and that kind of rhetoric is from post-World War II involvement on our part by conservative people. like And the um, connotation that goes along with that is this bad. Like, it's this bad bad in terms of what we're talking about in the narrative of the show so like learn your history and learn what the fuck that you're being what's being thrown at you in terms of like how you talk about things and how you use rhetoric that's been repeated over and over and over again and i'll just get it out right now Mm -hmm. the whole point of the show is not that this could have happened or couldn't have happened it's that if this did happen, history does not learn from itself. That is the core message of studying history. We never learn from ourselves. We never learn from anything that's happened before. All of this shit is just a cycle that keeps going on and on and on. And people try to take rhetoric from certain situations and reapply it to current times. And people still buy into it because we're just fucking animals when it comes down to it. I couldn't have said it better myself. The only thing I'm going to say is, first off, Jack, you killed that. I like literally could not have said it better myself. And Wait, second thing, real quick. Just, don't don't up? drop a bomb sound over that either so people can actually hear it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you. Um, I was going to say, did you say 1984? 
uh, Reagan. Yeah, which my family has I'm, ties I'm, to I'm Reagan, thinking, by the way. Oh, we'll definitely talk about that in a second. Yeah, finish your point. Right. Uh, I just want to say, because you said 84, like, you know, literally my brother was born in like 86. So that's nothing. And then, you know, when some people are like, oh, well, you know, such and such was sold such long, long, long time ago. You know, I've told you, bro. I, I, I feel like I've definitely told you. People that are like, oh, well, you know, that was forever ago. You know, I was like make the joke of, oh, so I guess black people just don't have grandparents because, you know, it's always, oh, my grandparents went through this. And I'm like, yo, son, my grandma was born in 36. Dude, we had some speaker. <laughs> you know we, had some, we had some speaker when I was in high school. He was some NC State graduate, and he was a very older. Um, I'm just gonna say black man because I feel like African American is kind of condescending in its own right. He was a black man, yeah. right? Yeah. So he talked about being born in the 50s, and he was working on a farm. So it's post segregation, but like not post segregation in North Carolina kind of thing. Like he was very aware of his status in society and was talking about that. It's just like, yeah, like, or I no, sorry, that was post that was pre segregation. So it wasn't post. I, I, I did say that right. Anyway, it's just like, dude, like there are still people around that understand what was happening at those times. And they don't forget I've and, said it on here before. My mom literally mem- literally remembers when, like, they integrated schools. Yeah, like, it <laughs> like, was not, with the black school at one point. It was two generations ago. Even one, if it's your mom, right? Yeah. Yeah, like... My it, mom and my dad. It was not that long ago. They're the same it, age. And this, these things, these same things keep happening. We like to think that we're, like, all woke and shit in this new era. Dude, th- these things... These same thoughts still happen all the time with all these different people. No need to get into specifics right, right now or anything, but like, just be like, be educated. Like, learn what has happened before, and if you're disgusted by that, it's not that different. I just want to say this before we get on to the next thing, which I'm not cutting Jack off or whatever. I apologize if it comes off this way. You're fine. And he talked about, you know, which he's not going to co-sign my wrestling. Literally, storylines get repeated over and over and over just with different people. And you tweak a little bit of situations. But that's wrestling. It's you've written. Brought, you've brought that before. Like, it's the same shit that's been going on in wrestling for a long time. And it, you, you thought it used to be good in the past. And that's just nostalgia. You change up a character a little bit and you tweak a little bit of stuff or whatever. Because I can show people. I'm like, oh, you know, such and such is a lot different. I'm like, yo, we just had... Literally JBL in 2004 chasing Metskins back to the border. Yeah. <laughs> while while going up against Eddie Guerrero, a Mexican legend, and beating him for the championship. It repeats itself. It's really like not even that far away. So let's just get back to the show now so we don't just <sighs> tangent forever. Just going off the same scene we were talking about. Um Tony tells him how to shoot a gun, and then you can hear on the radio Wincho's body is being brought back on a train to New York City to have a funeral, and FDR is going to speak at the funeral. Also, right. um, Mayor LaGuardia, which I don't know if you know since you're not that well-traveled, LaGuardia Airport is one of the main airports. Yes, I have heard New of York that. City. I was going to say, I think I know the place LaGuardia. I've heard of it, but I, you know, I didn't know that was actually a person. It's named after him. Okay, dope. Yeah, so that's the end of that scene. We go on to the next one where the first thing we see is Bess asking Sandy if he's sure. He kind of just nods. 
and they go off to the memorial for Winchell. Herman says specifically when they get in the car, it'll be safe. Trust me. And I think I'm about to say, did you what? What did you think about them bringing Philip? Because I was like, wait, 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 wait. That, well, they uh, tried. They tried to bring both of them, and Sandy wouldn't go. Right. So he's still in his head about the whole thing. Right. And he didn't want to attend the FDR speaking at the funeral thing. So they bring Philip. It, it's a seminal family moment situation that in Herman's mind anyway. So he just wants to expose his kids to what's happening in the world. Right. Like that's not that outrageous. I mean, it's not outrageous. I just told you like, you know, from the people from five episodes prior and in this, my parents would never. I don't think they cared enough. Well, no, I, I mentioned the thing where I know parents, um, in Greenville that brought their kids to Trump rallies just because it's a presidential candidate speaking. So like it's a that's a very seminal moment in potentially history. So like exposing your kids to that is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. It just kind of depends on who it is and what your politics are and all that, right? No, oh no, I I, I agree with you there. I'm just saying like mine in particular, nah. Never. Yeah. That's nah. fair. Yeah, like it wouldn't have happened. Like Shit, when fucking a couple of years ago, whatever Clinton went to, um, like Bill Clinton actually went to Goldsboro. Oh, did he really? Yeah, like my homie got him on video. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, good for him for going to Goldsboro. I would not have expected the, that. Like dead ass Goldsboro. Like my homie literally was like, "Yo, I walked up the block." To <laughs> to, to be fair to Bill Clinton, um, not that he deserves all the clearance in the world for things that he got caught up with later, but um. He's from Arkansas. I don't know and where he's from. The last dance. Hey. Two presidents. Two presidents. Chicago native. <laughs> that was wild that they got two presidents in the first two episodes. But, um, God, we're going to talk about that at some point. Um, I don't know where he's from in Arkansas, but I, I'm not surprised that he decided to travel to rural parts. I don't want to say states. Fayetteville, so I don't want to be wrong. Vietnam? <laughs> different, different one. Different one. I want to be wrong though. You're fine. Um, but yeah, they're at the uh, memorial. Yeah, and they can't get into the funeral because it's so packed. Right. He was like, "It's probably as best we're gonna get." How many of your people were out there? Yeah, it was a couple. It was a, it was a couple of them, man. You know, I this, peeped that. This is the same thing I'm talking about. It's like all of the socioeconomic oppressed people of america are rallying around what's happening right now even though it seems to be focused on the jewish people like the other contingents which i mentioned before the italian americans the Jew the um jewish americans themselves the irish americans all of them are here for it and it includes the black people like everyone's being oppressed they want to do right by each other and rally around each other when this kind of thing is popping off. Also, side note, um, Bill Clinton hometown, Hope, Arkansas. Yeah, that has to be rural. I've never heard of that. <laughs> right. Go ahead, though. Uh, so Mr. LaGuardia is speaking, um, mentions that Winchell was straight up assassinated by fascists and um, – there was a New York Times article about the plot against America before it came out or like right after it came out asking the question, could this happen now? And the next part of the title was it already has. 
So um, Mr. LaGuardia is asking or just stating straight up to the crowd, it's happening here. And right. Where is Lindbergh? Where is Lindbergh? Where is Lindbergh? We got the chance out. Exactly. And then, you know, they, the family as a whole, minus Sandy, slowly starts to give in to the chant. A little fill up there, you know, chant. I mean, how can you not, right? The whole crowd is into it. And, you know, still worried as a objective viewer, like, how is this going to go south? But, um, you know, at an event that big, there was probably some kind of protection going on, whether it's the police or not, and whether you can trust the police or not, we're going to get into that. Jesus Christ. Right. But, um, yeah, like, a little worried about it, but hey, they were they were doing it. We might have to fly through some of this. This is, are we an hour in already? Yep. We go into Rabbi Bengelsdorf speaking to the public about... Lindbergh is not responsible for what happened to Mr. Winchell. He's not. Right. Not a thing. He reads a prepared statement from Ann Lindbergh, mentions <laughs> right. that Lindbergh is going to fly to Louisville to address the nation, nation and speak on... Was the, this where the media got him the fuck up out of there? Not yet. I oh, okay. <laughs> um, I know he had another one when they went off on him. So he's doing his thing. He's doing his job. And... Which it's weird that it's it's his job at this point, but like Anne will speak about it, um, Lindbergh will fight a Louisville, and then he'll address it and we're gonna quench this violence. And that's kind of the extent of the speech. Right. So will he? <laughs> um next scene is Rabbi Banglesdorf and Evelyn are um, getting home, and Sandy's there to see his aunt Evelyn, and he is upset about. I thought Lindbergh would be good for the Jewish people, for everyone. Kind of blocking the gate too, like he made it known that he came there to see them. Right, like yo, you can't ignore me. Like I'm right here. What's up? Which then got up out the house, but I mean, I guess no one's home right now. So she makes a statement that's like. It's just all about Winchell and everything that he's doing. And he straight up is like, if it's all about Winchell, why are they killing Jewish people? Facts. Big facts. Evelyn says, I believe Lindbergh is a good man. Um, I don't remember everything else she might have said or not. And um, You and me both. And Lindbergh gets on the radio while he's in Lundberg, in Louisburg. Um, our country is at peace. Our children are in school, and it's all good. Like basically, it was the shortest speech this, this, this imaginable. Was, um, this was uh, Charlottesville, basically. I mean, it, pretty much. It, if the president had gone to speak in Charlottesville, it was Charlottesville. Yeah, this was quote unquote both sides. That infamous speech. So that was wild. And then they mentioned too with the David Simon thing. The, right. the, there was there was a small pause while he was making the speech. Where he expected an applause, but no one expected the speech to be so short. So then he says, thank you. And then they applause. It's like, we expect they, they you literally to say They literally say, that was brief. <laughs> Ev says that, yeah. And Bagelstorff acknowledges it too, which speaks to where his head is at this point. So it's Wait, just can I like, say it? Can I yeah. say it? Indeed. There it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, it's it's fucked up. But like Lionel's draft is finally starting to get it. He's like, oh, this is not going the way I thought it would, basically. Not at and all. I didn't realize this is what I'm supporting. Like question mark? It, right, it's starting what am to I doing? together in his head. So we're good on that. Um, next thing we get is which God, I hope I didn't mess up right here. And I'm gonna let you go in because I was a little bit lost. Oh, I so, can do. It. So okay, right. Al- Alvin arrives at the Pulse navigation system. Right. Um, Only thing I remember him saying was like, "Yo, you know, you can only get about a hundred miles," and they're like, "This is none of your concern." Well, that's the thing is, all of a sudden it's the same piece of equipment. Or sorry, they arrive at the warehouse and it's gone, and then they get in another car. Which I think was just a different car in general, which is part of the whole we got to cover this shit up kind of thing. And they go to a different location. So clearly in the wilderness, clearly has to be at some kind of higher altitude based on what's about to happen. And we're going to have to wait here until after the midterm elections is what I have written down. I don't think mm-hmm. that scene finish it, finished there. But... um. They're just in a different place in general. So, like, what is going on with Alvin? What's happening with this whole plot? Not resolved yet. Won't be resolved for a little bit. Just still going. I was because I wrote down what happened at the end of it, at least. Right. Because I was oh. so lost about that. That's why I really wanted to ask you about. I actually think I was looking at my wrong notes here. Sorry. No. No. I, I was looking at the episode five notes, honestly. <laughs> like, you, uh, right after this is like a little bit after, because you know, like, you know, just none of concern, just because Alvin was telling him it's like, like only a hundred miles or whatever as far as the radius. Yeah, so and the range like, of the pulse navigation is only a hundred miles, and then I wrote down straight up as soon as he saw the thing, I said, "Are they going to shoot down Lindbergh's plane?" Now I didn't realize this yet, but I mean, of course, you know, we get that that's the point, kind of. Well, not so. Kinda. Well, it's it's hard to say, and it's not it's not going to be fleshed out fully, and I think it's up to interpretation in general. But Alvin just walks into the thing and posts up at the system, and he's just like, "Let's go." Right. Like he, he he understands what he's being asked to do, but it has not been communicated to us as the audience what he's asked to do. So, question, I guess, before I want to get on to the next, like, thing of notes I have or whatever. So, yeah. they got a phone call, and they're just like, yo, shut it down. Like, yo, let's get out of here. Let's go. You mean the next thing that happens while he's there? Yes. So, you're skipping a couple scenes? A little bit. Which, yeah, that's fine. Um, that, in general, makes it obvious to Alvin because he understands the technological limitations of the pulse navigation system in general he is fully realizing that he's not the only one that's being asked to monitor the skies to an extent so um it doesn't become evident yet what they're doing oh it does by the time this scene happens but we're going to find out that Lindbergh is flying his own plane out of louisville back to dc because that's what he said on the radio he's going to do. Which, this is my question. Even in the 40s, how unlikely is it that 
the president of the United States should be allowed to fly his own personal plane on his own time without any Secret Service, without anyone <laughs> watching him, without Air Force One. You know, who knows if that was a thing back then, but like that would definitely not happen now. So how you know you you cannot answer this question. It's an unanswerable question. But no, how nobody's monitoring the president, pretty much. Yeah, like how like, outrageous is that? Like they don't they don't even let former presidents go without fucking Secret Service. Understandably, to this point now, yeah, because only, there's only so many that are still alive. So you get in the office, you get Secret Service forever. So you know, hopefully Obama's girls get to live their own life at some point, not monitored by the Secret Service, and they can be real people. But you know, Obama himself, Secret Service for the rest of his life. I mean, shit, they tell us any time or whatever. I think it is uh, Malia's out here smoking weed with some white dudes. Well, so do the Obamas, so good for her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Live your life. Like, I, I, you could tell that when she was living in the White House, she was pissed off about the fact that she couldn't just be a, a fucking teenager. Right? Yeah, it's like, yo, like I, like, I get my dad is, like, the most important person in, like, you know, America right now. But, like, yo, I'm still, like, what, 16? If even that. I think she was younger than me, so... I know you've never watched The West Wing, but on The nope. West Wing, um, great, great political show. Worth watching. It's on Netflix. Definitely check it out at some point. It's very, very good. Um, it's written by Aaron Sorkin, who did um, The Social Network and a bunch of other really good stuff in terms of writing. But um, they have a scenario on the show where um, Elizabeth Moss plays the president's daughter, who's the girl that is in the handmaid's tale yes i um i haven't seen that new invisible man but i think she's the uh, star of that too right yeah i've heard that's really good R- right i kind of i kind of know the ending now too but you know i still might want to catch it yeah you know it if you're into horror check out the invisible man but um secret service is following her around and this is supposed to take place i think late 90s early 2000 kind of thing so like yeah like you're an asset to the president, and this will come up in this episode too. You're an asset to the president. You're liable to be um, kidnapped or taken as a hostage in terms to negotiate with the president for whatever reasons. So, like, we protect your extended family too. I don't think that really happens outside of while you're the president, but you know that's necessary for the good of the nation. So it's crazy that not only is he allowed to fly his own plane. And I'm just going to put this out there now because they mentioned in the episode. Apparently, he had crashed two planes back when he was a mailman in, like, 1928. Male airman, whatever. That was so, wild. <laughs> so, like, it, it's worthwhile to say air travel was not as safe in the 20s or the 40s as it is now. There's definitely less casualties by air travel now, which no one's flying by air right now. Corona! Corona! So... <laughs> um. Like, it's definitely safer to fly, but um, back then, you know, planes were shittier, so it's a concern. And especially if you flew it across the Atlantic, flew it back, you're still flying the Spirit of St. Louis to your rallies, however brief they might be. That plane's going to get, you know, it needs to get worked on at some point. Who knows what's going on with that? Mm. But yeah, we can move on. That was a, a, another huge tangent by myself. Hello. Bro, you good? Like, I'm trying to. Like, I'm trying to say you good. You the one got to get out of here. It's all goody. No, I know. I just like. <laughs> I'm just messing. I want to stay on point, and yeah, I'm just. Of course. 
lecturing out here. But I, but I feel like that's what, like we've said it from episode one. That's why they come to us as far as like if you want your straight up notes, you're straight up like this and everything. You go to David Simon and your other homie, the Pod Against America, like the Plot Against America pod. You come don't bite your tongue for the takes like this. Exactly. And hey, if, you only, uh, if you only want three hours, go to HBO. If you want, I don't know how many hours we've recorded so far and we'll finish on, but it's a lot longer. And I think we're getting more in depth with some of the stuff, at least. Content, man. I mean, shit, they gave us an hour and 13 minutes this episode. <sighs> the little subtle, and I'm going to explain to my non-wrestling people, slowly heel kind of going back face turn right here from Sandy where kind of looking out the window. I'm putting these scenes together too because they kind of happen splitly, but I put them together. Yep. Sandy's kind of looking out the window. Here's a plane. He's going through his pictures of uh, Lindbergh. And I want to say the one right before he like, you know, ends up the last picture of Lindbergh. Is, was that the picture of the the uh, girl from last episode? Absolutely. Okay. I, I, I thought the same thing. I can make sure I wasn't crazy there. Yeah. Gets all the Lingbar pictures, gets them together, rips them up. Slowly turning back face. He's turning back, man. Yep. That, yeah, you said everything I wanted to say. So Loved go it. Ahead. Loved it. Yep. Um, Alvin, so he's leaving where he was at as far as the whole, like, shit that was going on. Because remember, I remember they told him, like, yo, you know, you're going to get to a spot. There's going to be another car. You go in that car. Yep. He gets in the second car. There's a newspaper that says the headline president's airplane is missing alvin just goes through a little moment of here right here in the show i mean just sometimes you know and i have a saying with like you know my girl and i tell some people at least and you know jack is one of the smartest people i know i remind him all the time even though he doesn't like when i say it nope what what's <laughs> what, what what's known doesn't have to be said i say that so much because i feel like sometimes people over narrate themselves like this isn't an anime what's known doesn't have to be said he there was not any dialogue in this but this scene was just so like yo you know what i'm saying he finally realizes what his role was and damon david simon talks about this on the pod they're in the book apparently Lindbergh's plane just disappears and they don't talk about it and he had a conversation with phil broff when he was talking about adapting this and he was like, how do you resolve this scenario? Because to him, when he read the book, it seemed unresolved. And David Simon had already wanted to do something a little bit different with the Alvin character in general. So mm-hmm. he put this whole narrative in place to give Alvin something else to do kind of later in the novel that wasn't just making him morally abject as the story went on. So... This is him realizing what he was being asked to do when he was sitting on the Pulse Navigation System to make sure that they knew where Lindbergh's plane was going. It's interesting. It's riveting. And it's... It was dope. I mean, like I said, what's, what's, what's known ain't got to be said. They needed no dialogue here. It's one character... He's literally going like he went like back to the car like maybe twice maybe he kind of went towards the like river. He went to the river. He came back. He realized he threw the newspaper on the ground. He was like can't leave evidence. Picked it up, brought it with him. But like you, the the weight of what's happening to him is starting to weigh on him, and he realizes 
Bro, like, I've been being followed by the FBI for months now after I got back with my stub of a leg. So if anyone finds out what the fuck I've been dealing with that's my now, yeah, I'm fucked. I was involved in potentially taking Lindbergh's plane out of the sky. I, I can't be here, and I have to get home. And that's what he's doing. So this next scene, I'm going to say a certain point, and I want you to jump in before I get to the next part of it, okay? Yep. So Bess and Herman are together, and they they hear the news. The news was something involving Kentucky, correct? What? I want you to finish because— um... Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and finish because this is where we get— Selden calls Best back, and he's worried. Like, all right, so this was the middle of the gunshots. Bang, bang. If if you don't have anything between, then I'll flesh it out. That was pretty much all I had. Or is is Herman even around then? I think Herman's here. Well, Herman's there, but he leaves later. I want to say. So I think it's just radio conversation. Um, okay. And I think I have where I have where did Winberg. Jesus Christ. Where did Lindbergh go? And I have written down that Canadian-based airplanes forced him out of the air and the borders are closed. I don't remember now, in retrospect, if that was just over the radio, or if that was a conversation, or what happened. But you're getting what is being played out on Alvin's side here. Right. That potentially, they shot his airplane out of the air and... America is deciding to go to war with Canada, which I could not even imagine what that would look like. Could you imagine, like, the massive border we share with Canada? We can't I'm not, lo- I'm, I'm not losing Canada. Drizzy. I'm not losing Drizzy. No, you can't lose Drake. I mean, yeah. Aubrey Johnson in his wheelchair, Degrassi, shout out. But do you ever watch Degrassi? No. Bro, dude, Degrassi is, like, great. I heard it was teen drama. soap opera, and at that age, I was still watching normal soap operas with my grandma. Um, when I was that was our school. bonding. <laughs> when I was in high school, well, first of all, Degrassi was like an 80s show. So it was Degrassi Junior High, but it was on Noggin. You remember Noggin? That, look, that's why. Because I, I, like, we had Noggin up to the point where like we uh, canceled DirecTV the first time. So we so, lost Noggin for a little Yeah, I, I was in a situation where we had like crazy cable for whatever reason and i me and my sister fested on some noggin degrassi shit that shit was hilarious i cannot believe that that's drake anyway um brought it back so, for the i'm upset you never forget <laughs> the dude got tarred and feathered and shot in the back Thanks. um poor jimmy um he so basically this is the first mentioning you're getting the Canadian border is closed, which is impactful for its own right. reason. Like I wrote that down in a little bit. I want to say I pray I did. It it'll come up more so later, but right. Yeah, you're back on Sheldon called Bess, so go ahead and take her from there. Her composure as far as like the gunshots literally happening in the background and. Instead of just freaking out like most of us would, I mean, she's she's getting it down on the ground, but like most people would just be like, yo, like I'm freaking out, but I'm trying to keep, like I said earlier, nine, 10 year old. I don't know exactly how old he is. I'm trying to keep him together because he doesn't know if his mother is around. I'm still trying to keep him together where he doesn't lose it here. 
and I might have gotten this confused in terms of the cinematic long pan shot. It might have been here. But um so Selma's missing. Um she went to the Louisville office, I guess oh my God, for yes. for MetLife. Um she, Selden says she always calls fucking gunshots outside. That's crazy. Um Shel- Selden says God, I keep wanting to say Sheldon. I don't want to say Sheldon. Yeah, I, I understand too. I understand. Too. I finally kept kept writing down Selden. My phone like quit correcting me. Thank God. Selden says she's dead, Miss Levin, just like my father, which is fucked up. Because it, it's rough. Obviously, he just lost his dad, and he's a literal kid. Like we don't know what age, but he's fucking tiny. So there's no more fig newtons. So <laughs> Bess is like, go to the fridge. Go make yourself tell- a corn, a bowl of cornflakes. Well, she's like, tell me what's in the fridge so I can, I can tell you how to make yourself dinner, which is tragic. And he doesn't because he's just a kid. He has no idea what the fuck she's talking about. So she's like, all right, you got your Rice Krispies. You got your milk. We're going to pretend it's breakfast. You're going to eat breakfast. It's 10, 10 p.m. If... It gets to 10.30 before your mother comes home. I'm going to call you back. So don't freak out. Don't lose your shit. And I will call you back. This is like best MVP level shit, right? Oh, yeah. She's on her shit right here. Yeah, she's... Dude, Bess is the best. Straight up. Legit. Like, she... right, Right here really just shows, like, I mean... I don't want to offend anyone when I say this. I hope I don't, because it's not definitely not coming off that way. This was a real motherly instinct. Like, yo, like, you know, this, like, he he needs me right here. You know, like, Selma isn't around. It's kind of, in a way, I mean, I'm not trying to say she's blaming herself, but, like, in a way, it's like, yo, this is my, my sister did this. It's like, this is my fault. Yeah, and she recognizes that herself, and she's not willing to, well, not willing to. She doesn't want to tell Selden that all the shit that's going on is because of her family faults or anything like that. Like it's not the time or the place. So she reserves herself to an extent. And she's like, Hey, don't flip out. Maintain your routine. Do your thing. I'll talk to you before you go to bed. And then you have to go to bed and we'll deal with it when you wake up. Cause what else are you going to do? Right. It's legit. Like, I mean, my mom, any of my aunties, like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of, like, stuff might be happening, but, like, you're a child. You don't need to worry about that right now. At least what it would be like in my household. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Bells was, kick, Bells was killing it right here, man. Next scene. Rabbi Banglesdorf getting pressed by the media because he's out here trying to speak and, you know, they're just like, are you speaking for the first lady and everything? Because, you know, about Lindsberg's disappearance. Why is she not able to speak? Why isn't she here? Why are you here? Like, they're just, he just walks off. He's her guy at this point. Like, I don't know why he's talking for her, but he's her guy. So he's speaking for the community. He's speaking for her. At whatever point, Maybe she doesn't want to be so public facing, so she goes through him. But um yeah, he is just straight up 
Tong for her. There's not much more to say on that. And I, I said there, too, like, why is Ev still here? And now I know why, because she's the POV character, so it makes sense. Right, which, understand it. Understand. I mean, that, and she's being a wife, man. You know, you just don't... I, I was talking to him about that whatever. Like, you know, certain people talk... Like, the, the women of this age talk about, oh, I want stuff like, you know, my grandparents had and my mom had. And it's like, they won't leave it at the first little sign of trouble. Sure. That's a thing I see more now, but... God, let me hush, because that'll be another podcast. Oof. Don't listen to that very first Kickbacks episode. I ain't checking that out. I mean, me and the homies talked about most of that shit, but oof. Another episode. Big time um, oof. Yeah, right. <laughs> Herman is stopped by the cops after work about there being a curfew before he sees two bodies laid out on the curb. I Ooh. actually kind of missed that specifically. Bro. But that that makes sense. And You're right, because they explained the gunshots, and I'm glad they did explain the gunshots. I don't remember if I said this pre-production or not, but I missed some stuff visually because I'm just scribbling notes like crazy. So I'm glad you caught that. Did you catch what they said after he drove away? Mm-hmm. So the police are talking, and they're like, car 8, 10, 19, and then someone took a picture of Herman. So I didn't I'm catch like, that. See, that's crazy. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like, well, you know, I don't know if someone took a picture of him, but something flashed at him. I assume it was a picture. So, like, are they recording who's passing through the area? And that's when you're starting to first get the inkling, like, what's the police doing right now? Well, we will get into this more fully as everything unfolds later. Facts, facts. Um, next thing I have right here is Bess is back on the phone with Selden and you know <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I can't remember if this is which I, I, I might because I don't think like originally Herman took the gun from Tommy no he did. Here? he did oh he, he did t- Tommy or you're saying Tommy it's Tony are we sure I'm telling you dude I'm telling you it's Tony it, okay. His name, his they're an Italian family. His name is Anthony. It's Tony. That's an Italian name. That's I, funny. I have, I that's have it on, I, like that's funny how you put it together because like I, my, one of my best friends or whatever is Antonio, but we all call him Tony. And then I checked IMDb, IMDb because I wanted to prove you wrong, and I'm wrong. It is Tommy. Fuck. No, don't ever question the king. I had this. I had the. Goddamn subtitles and everything. Fuck. God. Captions. Captions. What are the captions doing, man? Um, they said Tony. I'll stand by it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wrote down right here. He takes the gun from the neighbor. Like he was just like, yo, like fuck. I might actually need this. I might have that I, wrong too. Then maybe. But maybe I, I, he I, I, might, I, I might because later on he had said something. But I, you know, I don't know if I have that. We'll see. All from there too, which this is a long note for me. This is where we got into Herman finally admits, Bess, you were right. We should be in Canada. We should be there. To which she hit us with the infamous, I mean, it's too late. The borders are closed now. Yep. And you did miss the part where I guess um, Bess met, or Bess asks Sandy how far away the Mahinis are. From oh, I said, no, no, I had that next. I had that next or whatever, because pretty much they're like, yo. It's all in the same scene. Sheldon's our responsibility now. Yep. We got to go get him. 
we have to go get him now. That's that's everything I have there. You're right, and this this is um, Herman cracking basically, where he didn't want to admit it before, he didn't want to admit it for a long time, and the only reason I want to play on this for a second is because I was mentioning in the last episode the fact that he finally attended the rally or something that was actually pro his cause. He acted way too late on it. Right. And this is the continuation of Herman predicting everything that was going to happen, complaining about it forever. Alvin's going to test him on that later in this episode. Mm-hmm. But, bro, like, as on point as you were about everything, you still fucked up. I just want to well, say, I'm going to let you finish because at the end, I want to say two things. That was finished. Like, he, oh, okay. he, he just fucked up in the whole thing. Like, he should have reacted to this sooner. He should have listened to Shepsi. He should have done all this shit. He even mentioned that, too. Right. You were so, right. Shepsi was right. I just want to say, which I'm, I feel like most of our listeners kind of won't get it, but like, even if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, you've seen back when it was Vine. Not this TikTok shit now. Vine. The infamous. And I found out this is actually a little Bootsy or whatever, which you guys know who Bootsy is. He ain't little no more, but Bootsy, the rapper, it was his daughter. The infamous line on Vine. I t- this is like this is what Bess would have told him if this was a black family. I told y'all niggas. I told y'all niggas. That, that, that would have been her. All right. Now I have to ask you, do you think TikTok is the new Vine? It definitely is the new Vine. But it's supposed to be like a music thing. It's just... I think it started as music, but, like, now, I mean, I still refuse to download it because I'm like, dude, I'm 28. I've seen some wild <laughs> shit. I've seen some wild shit on TikTok in general just because of some other podcasts I follow. So I don't associate it with Vine, but it, I, I get that um, perspective. Right. I mean, that that's at least what I say or whatever. I mean, I just – I kind of refuse, man. I'm like, yo – I can't. Oh, wait. One line that we missed, which is um, what I can talk to you real quick. Um, Selden is our responsibility. And then Bess says, Danville was no coincidence. Oh, my God. Yes. Wait. Stop. I want to hear what you think about this. Did you think at this point, was Selma dead or were they rounding them up at the camps? I just thought she was dead. I didn't I, think of that, but I I loved it. Well, excuse me, I don't, I don't necessarily love, but you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. As far as the yeah, I don't want I gotta do not want that being the same thing. But like I, I the fact that you came with that perspective, that's wild because I didn't even put that in my head. That was my head. I was like, so if the Levins went there, would they have been rounded up and concentrated straight up? That's crazy because, you know, I can't remember what episode we, it was we talked about it as far as like, you know, after like which we didn't get in. Well, it didn't happen because I remember you were so interested as far as backtrack right here. But you were so interested as far as like, yo, if Pearl Harbor was going to play anything to this story and we found out it didn't. But, you you know, we spoke a little bit about like, you know, they kind of rounding up like Japanese people and putting them in camps. Internment camps, yeah, and we'll talk about that too because Pearl Harbor comes back into this to a certain extent, not in the show, but in general. So um, that will, I will speak on that later. So, so go ahead. 
Next scene we get is Herman and Sandy on the way to get Selden. And Bess is like, you know, I'm not really here for it, but you know this place a lot better than the rest of us. Which is completely understandable, but like at the same time, whatever, it's like, yo, that's her. Son. I mean, I get, of course, you know, Herman's her husband, but like, yo, this is my son. Like, yo, what the, f-, you know, but they also got a mission, you know, kind of like also hitting the jack right here on this episode. Shout out David Simon, you know, where he was like, you know, Alvin had his mission. This is Herman's mission. It is. And um, this is where, as they're getting ready to go, Tommy. Yes, come on, I wrote it too. Go ahead, do it. He asked if you heard about what happened with the grocers. And Herman's like, I assume it's like, you know, the America First jersey. He says, no, nah, bro, it's the police. The police killed the grocers. That was rough. So That was fucking rough. So this is where I think that Herman tried to give tommy back the gun yes and, and tommy said no you i love that i love fuck that. Like, yeah i love tommy and i have his name Dion all this Waiters whole time fucking heat check like yo i get it but you need this way more than i do right now i fuck gave it yeah, I, I initially tried to give it to you for a reason now you see you need this and herman finally realizes yeah like, you want to take it back? So, yo, you know? Uh, uh, there's an infinite, infamous uh, Reddit story where it was, like, some Mexican family broke down the side of the road and some guy decided to pull over help them. And then um, everything plays out in the story. I'm not going to get into it. But um, the guy tries to be like, hey, like, is there any way I can pay you back? And the Dad of the family is like, no. Today me, tomorrow you. And that's like a famous like Reddit saying. Today me, tomorrow you. Like, you helped me? Or like in this case, like they didn't help the Kahuzas in any way. But like, I understand what's happening with you. You need my gun. So uh, I don't really give a shit. You take it and go do your shit. I, I'm sure you'll give it back to me some, at some point. Right. right? Like, at this point, yeah. it's also not even needed, man. Like, he he gets it. Tommy fucking gets it. Tommy. And, and again, that's the thing. Italian-American families in the 40s, Irish-American families in the 40s, people being oppressed understand the other people around them being impressed so we we just transition back to the beginning of the episode where the italian family is moving in you're like Ugh, i don't really like the fact that like the neighborhood is integrating in a weird way but it's mm-hmm. not integrating in the weird way it's the same type of person they're just different cultures the minorities we sit together right now right we we're sticking together right now exactly uh, I have written down for the next scene. It was Henry Ford, but it's the vice president, and I didn't realize that um, it wasn't Henry Ford because Henry Ford was the secretary of state. So it's this um, Burton K. Wheeler, which we find out his name later in the episode, the vice president of the American or of the USA calls Anne a Jewish Rasputin, and Lionel realizes that. 
the vice president is starting to take over the government. That's the next scene. So do you know who Rasputin is? That name sounds so familiar, but enlighten me. There was a dance involved with it, which is stupid because of what it was. But basically, post-World War One, um, this guy, Rasputin, who was this supposed, um, I guess, like, predictor of the future or this, like, just eccentric man was able to inf- infiltrate the Russian czarhood in russia mm-hmm. um and got in with the family was able to tell them that like their sickly children he'd be able to cure them all of this crazy shit and i i can't get into it fully because rasputin is his own whole crazy side tangent but apparently look into it and uh look into his gigantic dick that he had because that's part of the story too hello Damn. But yeah, he he was very influential in the fact that the Soviet czarhood stopped after Nicholas II, czar's Nicholas II, because of Rasputin, and that's what started the Soviet Union instead of being a um, monarchy. Jack with the takes, y'all. That was very influential in how that happened. So um, it's not really a take; it's just history. But um, I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's why I brought it up. So we're back at Herman and Sandy getting down to Kentucky. They're in what I assumed from what I wrote down and paused, you know, quick, caught little signs. West Virginia. I don't know where they were. If you know where they were, don't wait, hold on, hold on. I'm going to stop you right here because you just texted me a fucking Tom Brady video. Fuck you. I'm not going to watch this. MJ sent it to me literally like a second ago. I will never watch these. You want to guess what it was? No, I don't. I don't want anything to do with Tom Brady fucking videos and his weird ass Instagram presence in general. (laughs) Backtrack to the NFL episode. Fuck Tom Brady. I'm off this. MJ literally just sent me another video too, but I can't see it because it's a private account. Get but out it was it was him. It was him out of here with that. It was him. This is my life. Okay, he sends me all this shit. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out fully. Um, not, not here for it. They're in West Virginia and like they, mm-hmm. Sandy's in the back sleep. And Herman just sees what we saw in the like the trailer for like last episode, you know, the preview for this episode. As far as like, you saw these dudes with guns and there's barrels burning and shit. And you're like, oh fuck! And he's like, so, let's get the hell out of here. I want to talk on this. So on. when they're there, they're getting to that police checkpoint in wherever the hell they are. I assume it's Kentucky. I mean, just because that's where they're going, the police set up some kind of detour for them to follow and i wonder and i wonder how you think about this and i i wonder how you're gonna respond to this do they recognize that he's a jewish person in the i car? think so he's got his jewish plates mm-hmm. and they tell him you have to go down this road instead of that road 
and they send him down to what is potentially just a straight up trap. Which, by the way, Sandy's looking on the map and he's like, oh, I actually know these parts of where we are, which is why I think it's Kentucky. So he's like, you can just take this highway. And we're starting to get into the situation where they're bonding again. And Sandy's like straight up part of the family again. So that's really sweet. But they almost rolled up into what could potentially just be a Ku Klux Klan trap. You can see the barrels burning. You can see the guys standing by them that have straight up rifles hanging off their shoulders. And Herman recognizes what's happening, backs up and gets the fuck out of there. Sonic spin ass the fuck up out of there. And you you realize that, in, at least in my mind, I mean, like, you know, people in the South have those kinds of guns. People in the South Come on are now. very crazy about their guns and everything, which I don't, blame, I don't blame them for. I don't. I, and I'm going to dictate myself now on this in retrospect for other podcasts and stuff. I'm not a hyperbole man, and I'm not someone that's going to talk out about certain people in general because – I understand everyone to an extent. I'm not going to like hype myself up, but like I've been around definitely different types of people. If you're a second amendment guy, I feel you. If you're not for that, I feel you. People have their certain reasons for feeling a certain way about certain different stuff. I already said on this podcast that I I want a gun. I think it'd be fine. Like just to protect myself and do everything. I don't want to hunt. I don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. But if people hunt and they get food and they get some venison, I want the jerky. Hit me up. But like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to kill a deer myself. You know what I mean? So right. like, the fact that they're packing that level heat at this apparent quote unquote detour, that was fucking crazy. Like the police are in tangent with them on their whole shit. And Herman realizes it smart enough for him. And he's like, I'm on this mission to get Selden and I'm not going to be fucking detoured like this into this horrible situation and good on him for realizing. And especially with Sandy in the back sleep, the last thing I want to say, whatever, I don't know if you're done there, but we get on to the next scene. I'm going to send you a clip and our listeners, if you haven't, I'm going to also tell you guys, every time I see just barrels and shit on fire or whatever, it, I always go back to the infamous Rihanna video for Diamonds, one of my favorite songs by her, but still club song by Rihanna. I'll send you this shit later, Jack, and I'll even find the fucking timestamp. If you look, guys, towards the end of the video when, like, there's just random shit and people don't, like, and things on fire, there's a dude walking on, like, on camera, literally on fire in the video. Beautiful, like, diamonds in the sky. I'm going to hit you with this. You're not ready for this take either. Oh, shit. Another podcast I listen to, How Did This Get Made, which is um, if you've ever watched The League, you should listen to this podcast because it's Paul Shear and Jason Manzukas who are prominent characters on The League, and Paul's wife, June Diane Raphael. They review bad movies. It's one of the fucking most hilarious podcasts where they purposely review bad movies and call out all the shit on it all the time. And they have guests on sometimes. So Jessica Sinclair is an actress that they have on their podcast in general. And she has straight up said on the episodes, I hate futuristic movies that have like this dystopian feel to them. 
And one of the things she specifically mentions is burning trash cans. And that was exactly <laughs> what I thought of when I saw this scene. And I was like, you know exactly the scenario I'm talking about in like these right. weird feature movies and everything. She's like, burning trash cans? I'm fucking out. I, I was say, I, I, I didn't want to cut you off or whatever, but I was going to say, I listened to one kind of like that too. Um, Count the Ding, shout out to them. It's a joint called Cinephobe. I'll shoot you that and everything because like it's pretty funny to me in some of the like movies they went over. I'm not even going to shoot you how this get married. It's a very very popular podcast, so if you want to get into it, you can. But yeah, I, was, I know mine's probably isn't as popular, but like, I fuck with them because they they do sports. They they work with ESPN at one point. It's a lot of whole other shit we can get into, but not now. I already mentioned your mom's house, which is also crazy popular. If you want to see the most fucked up shit on the internet you've ever seen, follow your mom's house. I've mentioned some of this to Darius before, but, uh, dude, it's the craziest videos in general, period. We have to move on. Let's get into Rabbi Bangalsdorf getting detained by the fucking FBI. Rabbi, are you going to put your clothes on? If not, we'll get you about here. I'm going to put my clothes on. So I'm not going to speak to it fully in the terms that David Simon spoke to it, but... He mentioned in earlier the HBO podcast about how John Turturro approached this role. And I don't remember the guy they spoke about, but basically Rabbi Bangelsdorf views himself as the king Jew. That's the term (laughs) they use. So it was referenced as some Jewish man in Germany during World War II that was speaking out for himself in terms of his role within the German government and how he was influential in fascist Germany. Right. Eventually, as things played out, they came for him. You know, that's, that's, that's the classic line. They came for my neighbors and I didn't do anything about it. They came for my family i didn't do anything about it this is not like the actual thing but eventually they came for me and i didn't expect it they came they came for the city jews it wasn't me they came for the levens it wasn't me and then they came for me i mean i don't want to get too in depth about it i'm just gonna say you know i've had conversations with you i've had conversations with other people i don't like it whenever it's just like oh you know just you're not that certain black person, Darius. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But like everyone wasn't presented the same opportunities I was. That's and um, at least to be fair to myself, I don't think I've ever viewed you like that. No, you didn't. I, I didn't. I, even if it came off like that, I apologize. I, I never wanted that to be the case. It's just certain things where it's just literally been like, oh, well, you know, and it's like, no, 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 no. Like you shouldn't even think like that. And That's I think ridiculous. it. I think it's mostly self-evident by the way we've talked about this pod. I would never view anyone like that. It's just, it speaks to the entire narrative of the show. You don't think they're going to come for you. So you try to play your role within society to promote yourself in a certain narrative or light, and it starts to help you. You start making moves. You start doing shit you're gaining influence you're getting shit off and you're participating in society as a whole 
that's Bengelsdorf. And I've had people ask me about how I view him in general. It's just like, yeah, you're accumulating power. You're within the organization. You're doing your thing. But eventually, they come for you. Mm. Like, you think you're doing a service to the people that you're um, assimilated with. Uh, assimilate's not the right term because I don't want to use that term because the Jewish Americans that are portrayed in the show are assimilated. But you're within the culture. Someone's portraying you not to be. And you're fighting for the rest of them as a well-assimilated Jewish... I said Jewish. Jesus Christ. Jewish Southern American Jewish man. Mm-hmm. And he had his whole shit that he went off on about the Civil War guy and all this stuff. Like, his family's been involved with this for a long time. You never think it's going to come for you. This next part, I'm going to say all like it's one whole before we get into the next one. So Herman and Sandy get to Danville. They meet up with the family that house. Um, Sandy uh, in Kentucky. What were they called again? Do you remember? The, the Mahinis. Dude. There we go. Oh, God, because I forgot that. I could not say it. Dude, and I was so happy to see that they were good shits. Like, they, right, they, and they, they had Selden. I was like, yo, thank you, God. Like that, At this point, like even the way the sun comes out and him and Sandy even respond to each other, I'm like, okay, so these are actually good people. And the, the you know, father tells Herman yeah, we know about Selma, and she got burned up at the KKK. Like, by the KKK, you're probably going to pass it. No, what he tells him is if you go ahead... Well, first of all, he says, I'm going to save that for you to tell the kid, because yeah. that that's not our battle, straight up. Like, And, you know, kudos on him. Like, he's right. It's not their shit to tell him. It's like homie from episode three, right? Was it three or four? Oh, yeah, Mr. Fuck. I don't remember his name. Thomas, maybe? I can't remember. I, I was going to say Thomas, too, so that, that might be right. But, like, yeah, like, I'm here with y'all. It's not my job to protect y'all from what's going on in D.C. It's the same thing with Mr. Hen- Mahini. Like, I don't need to. It shows us there's still allies out here. And it shows us what the most important part of this whole thing is, is, like, there are. When it, when it comes to human nature in general, most of us don't subscribe to this extremism, right? Right. So there are still good people out here, even in these areas, that are being exposed for what they are by some people who are acting extremistly. So... Mr. Mulhenny, and I, I slandered the Just Folks program in general last episode. Like, who are the families <laughs> right. that are going to participate in this? Probably the ones that are going to be shitty about it when it comes forward, but maybe it's the opposite. The families that want to participate in the Just, Fro- Just Folks program want to set a better example for them as to what our people in these regions seem like. So now we respect Sandy's opinion of what the Mahinis were. We respect 
all that, all, you know, where, wherever it plays out in terms of everything. Actual but, uh, good folks in of all places, Danville, Kentucky. Exactly. Um, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more because the only thing I have written for this next part is Evelyn calls Bess, you know, like they're coming oh, after no. me. I can imagine. And uh, actually, Bess gives right, her some bars. That's the next scene. So um, Evelyn comes to the house. And Bess is not here for it. I want you to deliver the bars. Go for it. Now, I don't have them exactly written down because I have a little bit of part later on where I literally wrote the reuniting of the sisters. Whenever she straight up came to the house, you know what I'm saying? Because at first she called, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She came a little bit later, which is, you know, there's a scene in between which, God bless, was a little bit wild. Well, not a little bit. It's a lot of wild. I'm a little bit lost in my notes in general. Oh, we also go ahead. We also missed the part when the FBI comes for Lionel. They tell him that um, Ann Lindbergh has been taken to the hospital for a quote-unquote severe breakdown. Right. So okay. They're just framing that on her. Um. Also, let's just say the Evelyn and like oh, no, 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 this no. is gonna happen a little bit later. I- I'm actually ready for it. I think. Okay. Go ahead. So Bess is scrubbing the floor. Like crazy, <laughs> and she gets a phone call. <laughs> that was weird. I don't, don't know. Don't you hate it whenever you're doing something? And it's like, oh god, here's my phone going off. Almost every time you call me, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> He's lying, guys, because I don't call. I text. You, you well, call no. Sometimes. You call me well, sometimes. Well, sometimes, sometimes, like sometimes, you have to hear my words. Like a text won't get it off. And that's why I'm playing. I it's a joke. I I love when you call me, Darius. So F calls Bess. She's just straight up like, please help. And then Bess ends the conversation straight up. Why don't you call Van Tr- Rippentrop? Oh, that was the bar. That was the Fuck. bar. God dang. Woo. Yeah. And oh. I, I loved that. And we're going to get back to the whole um, driving home thing, I think. Yo, Bess was dunking on her like um, Scotty whenever he dunked on Pat Ewing and then put his nuts in his face and stepped over him. All right, so let's make sure we – also, great call. Great reference. We're <laughs> going to come back to the driving home scenario because that is huge. Yeah, that's next. That's next for me. Great. So Ev shows up at the Levin's house. She's like – you have to hide me. They're going to come for me, right? Yes, you have to hide me. They're going to come for me. And she reveals the whole little plot about Lindenberg was in their back pocket because the Germans were blackballing him. They had his son. Which, do you know the history of the Lindbergh baby? No. I didn't look it up, and I'm not going to because I don't think it actually applies to this. But there was a whole controversy at some point about Lindbergh's baby being missing or stolen at some point. We're not going to get into it, and it's not relevant to this. Um, the only thing I'm going to say is that this and everything else that comes with what Lionel says later about Lindbergh's son and all that stuff, uh, Philip Roth made up for the story. Okay. And, um, David Simon talked to him about it and he was like, it's I like one of Philip Roth's points was just straight up. All that is not 
true. It's just speculation that he made up for the story because apparently when the book was reviewed back when it was released, some book reviewers took it as like actual plot points of the story. He mm-hmm. was like, bro, just like understand that was not real. So Lindbergh, baby, all that stuff, look that up on your own. We're not going to do it here. Um, so I'm just going to hit you with the best stuff here. You stupid girl. <laughs> Bess has no time of day for Ev at this point she's, in time. She's little sister in this fucking, um, in, in this show. Yeah. So, like, she understands. And I actually wonder if you want to just play out the scenes in general from here on out because we're going to jump back anyway. So right. I, th- I think we should just finish the scenes out between them straight up. You cool with that? Yeah, let's go ahead and finish them off. Let me see where I got this written down. Um, I- I'm going to have flip sheets too, so it's fine. But I'm, I- I'll-, I'll go from here. You selfish... God, I'm, I'm fucking up my words tonight. You selfish little bitch. Bess says that to Evelyn. You selfish Mm -hmm. little bitch. And she just gets on her in general about how the fuck she's been involved in this from the beginning. Right? I'm afraid. I'm afraid, Bess. Bessie. She, She dropped a Bessie on her. I was like, oh, man. Do you think we're not afraid? Do you think that we're not in the same situation that everyone the fuck else is into right now? Evelyn has no retort for any of that. And then let's just finish it off. The outside part or whatever. And this is why I know I'm like, okay, so this definitely they had this is definitely a wig they had on um the actress that played best because you see a lot of white hairs right here and shit. Wall, I did not catch that, but yeah. oh, bro, uh, best drops the final line when she's at, they're both outside the house, you know, because oh, she also hit her with it. You have no right whenever she kicked her out, which still, still bars. Come on, man. Well, wait, well, even before that, she fucking screamed at her, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yes, yes, all that. The hug, and I think there might have been a kiss. I can't remember. I'll, I'll just know, Evelyn. I'll always love you. But I will never forgive you. And and never come back. Bruh. Bruh. So Bruh. <laughs> wait, let, let me let me talk on this for a second. So call back to episode one, right? Um, they're looking at the house in Union and Evelyn, or sorry, Bess has that whole speech on about how she felt as a independent Jewish person in that community in Elizabeth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the only person that has lived with her for this whole time and understands the plight that she went through when that was happening was Evelyn. So that's the kind of thing that family will never forgive, right? Or forget. Right. But 
your whole power trip that you just went on with Bengelsdorf getting into the White House, all the shit that you did, and you sent Selma to Danville. I'll never forget. Like, she won't say it, but it's like, this is your fault. Straight up. I mean... There's no more you, words to be parsed about it. That that no, is her opinion. And you just you felt all the emotion right here. And you know Bess is right. They both was acting their asses off right here. So well yeah. Winona. Huh. And Zoe Kazan. <laughs> yeah. Both going both off, of them, man. Both of them did a phenomenal job. That, man, like I, I I don't know if we're gonna talk about this after the fact, but acting in this series was phenomenal incredible um yeah i don't really know what else i have to say about that other than that's real life you know what i mean like yeah you might be able to talk to it more than i can Mm -hmm. but i love my family i love my siblings my one sibling we went through (laughs) we we went through some shit together and we dealt with it, and we became closer by it. So I'm curious now what you want to say about any of that, if you do want to say anything about it. I'm going to just speak to, which, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot all fair. Only yeah. thing I'm going to say right here is it's just certain things where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm always going to love you. I'm all like, and I'll forgive, but I remember everything, though. I won't forget. I won't. It's just a lot, man. It's really a lot. We ain't even got to get into it right now because we're already going along and I need to get Jack up out of here, man. <laughs> no, we're fine right now. Uh, <laughs> I, um, dude, I, I knew we were going to go long tonight. It's going to be a long episode. We're I was going to tell you, I'm like, yo, tell, tell your amazing fiance, I apologize for everything tonight. I really no. do. We haven't even finished the meat of all of this, so like, we're we're not even close. <sighs> Back try it just a little bit. You ready for it? Yeah. So they're driving back to Newark. Sandy- On Route 35, which is what Mr. Mahoney told him. If you want to see the car, go back on Route 35. Sandy jumps in the back to distract Selden as they're driving by, and you see the fucking cars just fl- not I mean not flames, but like burned up man which is the this is what we needed to get back from sandy which is why we shouldn't have got off of sandy as a great character in general he had his whole shit he did his whole shit and the in this episode which is a short it's a short limited series so we shouldn't judge the fact that we hated him maybe last episode still he yeah. made all his moves in this episode that we love and that like we we ride for Sandy now as of this episode he did the best thing possible where he said you know Sheldon look down at your shoes close your eyes tell me what you see we're going to play a memory game all right and like dude for him to recognize that this is the thing, the thing that had to happen, and the yes, fact that I mean, he, he jumps in the back seat, like yo, yeah, we ride for Sandy now, right? He's he's definitely had his face turned, so he's he's forgiven. 
At this point, yes. He's he's back face. He's a good guy now. Which hold on. The 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 point that should be made here is isn't that the whole adolescent trip as it is? Where like mm, some some people. Well, I, I can speak for myself at least. Yeah, about to say look, we we've spoke about it just on this pod as far as like, you know, young young Jack out here. You have a certain point in life where you rebel against your parents and then you have a certain point in life where you realize they know the fuck they're talking about. Well, not only that, but like you're gonna end up becoming your parents. So like you relate with them a ton. And it's like this is Sandy's revolution. And again, like kids in these situations grow up fast. So the fact that Sandy got here where he is now is not surprising considering all the shit that's going on. So he realizes what's happening, where they're pulling up on. He sees it. He jumps in the backseat, and he's like, you're not going to see this because I'm still going to preserve your childhood at least, Selden. We go from that literally into they're at a gas station. Selden has to pee. The dudes tell him, like, just give it a second. You know, the dude's going to be out. Just, just hold on. Yeah, I got to piss. Out walks out a dude literally in just a fucking clan suit. Like, I yep. mean, just, I mean, like, you would just think he's wearing, like, a fucking Nike hoodie the way he just has it on. Like, what the fuck? And you see how comfortable he is about it because his hood Yeah, he's just like, he's like, shit, what the fuck you talking about? Like, I do this. Yeah, the fact that you're wearing your Ku Klux Klan hood off means that the shopkeeper is cool with you and he understands what the fuck is going on. And that is terrifying because that's the whole point of the uniform. You're not showing your face. You're joining this group and you're uh, not identifying yourself being part of this group. So the fact that his hood's off means that everyone that's in this store right now knows what the fuck is going on with me. Unfortunately, you know what it is. Right. Like Sandy realizes this is like Sheldon. Harry up. Like, he walks outside. Herman literally, like, kind of looks in there and was like, yo, y'all come the fuck on, man. Like, this shit's crazy right now. What I think hell? Herman saw the guy walk out and he was like, oh, fuck. Which, we're going to get to the fact of the matter, but we might as well just mention it right now. Yeah. How how many times in these episodes has Herman been recognized as a Jewish man? I mean, I've lost count, Loki. When, they were, up in, when oh. they were down in D.C.? Yeah, almost every episode, right? When yeah. like even the first episode when they're driving past the Ju- the German pub, they're like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Whatever slur they used and all that. Yeah, so, I'm about to say, let's let, let's pray we don't remember it. So he's very recognizable as a Jewish man. So now he's freaking out. His son is in there, and the target that they're going to acquire basically in their mission is in the bathroom. Like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. And Herman recognizes that immediately. To get off that into the next part before we get back to them, Alvin comes back from everything that's been going on with him to the boss man and Minna. Mr. Shap. Mr. Shap and Minna, where he's like, Am I family? Yeah, you're family. If anyone asks anyone, you guys come for me. I've been homesick the last three days. So Minna, where's just- he been at? been homesick with me for the last three days so it takes he's a little just, while to get to it but 
He's, he's like just freaking straight, out. Straight, like, yeah, he's straight up like, you all have to cover for me because you don't know what's happening. And I can't tell you. So are we cool? Mr. Shap's like, fuck yeah. He's like, Minna, this is your story. This is your cover. I can't tell you what's happening. This is what's going on. And Mr. Shap immediately recognizes, which is why I think there's mob connections there and all that shit. But I'm right, just like, they were so quick to just be like, shit, no so questions quick. asked. Fuck it. And it's not quick later with the family, his actual family later. So yeah. it's just like, God yeah, knows. we recognize what's going on. We're going to cover for you. And we recognize that straight up, we're good, cool, move on, done. It was wild, man. It was really wild. I was like, holy shit, Like, what's about to happen? It was great. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Like uh, I said, I, what's, what's known ain't got to be said. I missed that at first, too, because I didn't realize he was saying, are you family? I, I thought he was asking, is my family? As if he was asking, is my family dead? So I, I missed that a little bit to begin with, but I, I caught it eventually. Let's get on next into Herman has the boys back in Newark. Yep. Um, Sheldon's in the back, knocked out. Sandy's like, yo, should we wake him up for lunch? Yeah, nah, let him sleep. And they well, had this infamous scene that I know you're going to get a little bit more in-depth into as far as they sit down to eat and take over from here, Jack. I'm not going to go into the whole David Simon story about this because okay. that's his, that's his own thing. If right. if you want to know about where this scene comes from, listen to the HBO pod because that's not my story to tell. It's David Simon's, but um, <laughs> I don't know if they were in Newark per se, but they were on the road back home and <laughs> they were. I mean, getting, I felt like they were a lot safer at least for sure. They might have been like in Southern Jersey. That that would be my perspective. Um. They were getting breakfast sandwiches, maybe, because what they ended up with was bologna with mayonnaise on white bread. Did they say bologna? Bologna? Bologna. Yeah. Maybe I fucked that up. I, but, I, I um, was like, damn, what's the disrespect with, like, bologna on white bread with, like, mayo? I, I was like, damn. Which, first off, if you're in Jersey and you're not getting Taylor ham, you're already fucked up. My Jersey people come at me. That's the shit. Pork roll, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, you know, like if they got these sandwiches, didn't they order them? So like, that's why what I thought too. Right. Yeah. But um, Herman goes. I think they're trying to kill us. <laughs> Which is hilarious because the and whole the this whole, is about to go ahead. Go ahead. The whole point of the scene is the fact that they're eating pork, and that's not kosher. So he's like, man, I, I, I think they recognize this. They're, they're trying to kill us, but they're not actually in danger. So they laugh about it. And that, this like, is it, the full, complete, he's now back, fully a face, a good guy. Sandy's back, guys. Sandy's back. Yeah. First he, time he, him and his father probably laughed together in like months now, if not years. If like, not the whole years, series. You know? Yeah. Yeah, straight up. I mean, he was a ghetto Jew a couple episodes ago. God, we're not going back there. That was terrible. God, we still have so much to cover. Um, so yeah, Sandy back on board, breakfast sandwiches. Um, they're almost back to the house. Where what's the next scene? The first lady speaks over the radio. I'm gonna let you say what she was like talking about as far as what she said on the radio, but I'm just gonna say as far as what was going on in the background, we had a lot of looting, 
in the Jewish neighborhoods as far as like, yo, get away, you stinking Jewish people, blah, 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 blah. All these swastikas written like they tore down the fucking town. Um, I don't mean to backtrack, but I feel like we mi- we just missed the most key scene. What happened? When they're driving through the town in Kentucky. God bless. I did miss that. With the fucking. Oh, God. With the, K- with the KKK people that is, or whatever. That, that's the biggest scene. Yeah. See, oh, see, I skipped as far as because like my fucking what's name notes. I, I, I'm helping you. Here. I, I, I skipped because it was, it was, it was, it was earlier in there or whatever. But I messed up whatever because my fucking notes or whatever as far as Bess and Evelyn. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take over for a second. <sighs> they're, they're leaving Kentucky. They're trying to get out of there, and Herman's driving. Shel- uh, Sandy's in the front seat. Selden's in the back seat. And they're rolling up, and as you can tell, they're rolling up on something in some small little town, which I've seen these small little towns before, driving through North Carolina before. There's just some <laughs> these butt-fuck-nothing towns that like mm-hmm. you roll through their downtown in half a second, and you have to slow down to 25 miles an hour just to be through their main street. Mm-hmm. So he rolls up on... Pine Level, Fremont. I mean, I can go on. Eureka. Yeah, I'm not, not going to name names. But uh, I've been through them all in eastern North Carolina anyway. Vanceboro. Anyway, so we're driving through, and you can see in the distance, something is just straight up on fire. Herman's rolling up to it. The fire department is there, and they're just waving him off to the left to avoid it. And the fire department is not putting out the fire as they're going by it. On the left side of the opposite side of the street, there's just a ton of KK members just hanging out. Chilling. So you you can tell. We've already gotten the perception, or, yeah, whatever, the word from the Italian family that the police are involved. Now you're getting the perspective that the other institutional factor in local government, the fire department, is on board. They're not putting out the fire. They're letting it burn. And we're starting up seeing it, like you said earlier, from two POV characters. Exactly. And as they're trying to drive by, someone's crossing the street, and and he's got his hood on. This is terrifying. So this goes back to the fact that Herman has been identified as a Jewish man multiple times during the series. And you're staring into the face of a KK member as he has unintentionally stopped the car, but he's looking at him. And you're with like, two young boys in the car with him. And two young Jewish boys in the car with him. On top with of that. With mad clan members just like on like in the cut, like right there. If it's, it's gonna pop terrifying. off, it's, it's gonna be terrible. Yeah. So here's my question to you. As Herman's cocking the gun, getting ready to defend himself do you think that potentially, potentially, while they're in the South with the KK members, they're burning down a Jewish man's store? Yeah. Do you, th- do you think they don't actually know what a Jewish man looks like? I think they definitely know what a Jewish man looked like. Like, I want to ask you the same thing, and being like, I thought at this point something was going to pop off. I thought he was going to shoot him and then drive off, like, mass fucking, like, you know, ghost riding the whip, crazy taxi. Like, get the hell up out of here. That's what I would have thought. I thought it was coming, bro. 
I am happy in the way it's in terms of how it played out, but it's interesting the fact that he stares him down, he looks him over. Again, if they're burning down a Jewish man's store, you would assume they know what a Jewish man looks like, at least traditionally. And that that's kind of one of the things, too, where it comes to where we're at in society now. Mm-hmm. Jewish Americans, Italian Americans, Irish Americans. I mean, sure, like the Irish of us have our own certain features. I speak for myself on that. But we view all of us as just white men, right? Yeah. So it's like he's looking at him. He's trying to figure out who is driving by. I mean, he could have seen the Jersey plates. He could have seen all this kind of evidence of what was happening in front of him, but he decides just to walk off and join his crew. And maybe, you know, in his head, we made our statement. We're good. I'm going to walk off. Herman did a great job slow cocking that gun, not yeah. to make it obvious. Mm-hmm, because that was terrifying to me, boy. I'm telling you, I was, I was literally about to fall off my couch at this point. Dude was ready to pull the trigger for sure, and if he had to shoot through the windshield, he probably would have. Low-key, I almost stabbed myself today with a piece of glass at, at, in Jesus. the lab. Um, I was putting a stopper back on the flask, and when I put it on... And I was getting ready to shake it. I fucking my hand went through it and just broke in my hand. And there was just like a little piece of tape on the flask that prevented like another shard that broke off from separating. I almost stabbed myself in the hand. I was like freaked the fuck out today. Jesus Low key, Christ, man. yeah, like weird work stuff. Not really getting into. Not worth getting into. But um, yeah, I I can't believe they didn't. Well. No, no, sorry. Let me revise myself. I'm happy for the fact. There we go. Things played out the way they did, and Herman was able to drive off and get those shit-ass bologna sandwiches. Now you want to go ahead to the first lady? Because I'm just going to oh, say... Oh, now, now we can part, move on, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say she was on the radio, finally. You know, she's out of, you know, everything that was going on with her, at least to a degree. And we catch the looting in the Jewish neighborhoods. Bess, like, tending to young Sheldon and Sal- Evelyn and... God dang it. See? See, I was doing good, too. I was doing yeah, good. I know, um, I know. To young Sheldon. CBS don't get us, I promise. I'm, I'm I only yelled at you because you said it. Yeah. And Evelyn in her house alone. Um, You want to tell the people about what the First Lady said? How much of this do I have written down? Um, and after you say, I'm going to say we're going to go ahead and get into Rabbi Lionel after because we're saving all the Levin family and the end for the end after that. So she and Lindbergh is speaking. Um, Jewish family shops have been destroyed unlawfully. People have been detained by the U.S. American government um, by the acting president, which is Burton K. Walk, uh, Wheeler, Burton K. Wheeler, which I did look up. He was an isolationist um, senator at the time from 38 to 41, and he broke with FDR on the um, whole 
trying to uh the new deal that fdr passed at that time not going to get into any of that i'm not going to worry about it but i do i do remember we talked about um when henry ford dropped his bars at bengelsdorf and evelyn the vice president was there i definitely got that name wrong it was wheeler uh burton k wheeler so it seems like after line uh lindbergh was missing for whatever time the government was taking over and kind of rallied this violence against jewish people which mm. is also why i'm not really sure like they straight up just killed them i if that were to happen at the same time they were identifying with the jewish people or the german people if they would have taken them into camps or done whatever but anyway that's a whole side conversation um their conduct was indefensible and there should be no more violence taken against anyone of any different race type of life anything and ann Lindbergh mentions the fact that she was released from mercy heart hospital um which seems like she was put in there indefensibly by the conspiracy conspiracy type people that were um acting on behalf of whatever the government was doing at the time in order to isolate her from the situation. So she was able to free herself from being detained within a hospital for her mental condition and spoke out on behalf of potentially her husband, which is what she said, but for the American people as a whole and was able to rectify the situation that was going on by speaking out on behalf of the people themselves and then i think the bar was liberty and justice will be returned right <laughs> i was just like oh my god because like every like she's just talking and they're showing all this shit going on and they finally get back on her which, which you know I, i'm just gonna say right here or whatever because i'm gonna let you go right back in jack like what I tell, you know, some people, you know, just in general or some people, especially who I know, probably aren't listening to this pod. But, you know, actually get on my pods talking to the God blessed microphone. Okay, go ahead, Jack. A lot of us talking to where we are currently. But um, that's David Simon. I'm I'm not going to speak on that because I don't want to be di- divisive in general. Like we're speaking publicly right now. We can talk about that when it comes to the end of it. I'm not trying to isolate anyone in their political opinion, but um, he did say when they were talking at the very beginning of the episode about how Lindbergh was unfit for the U.S. presidential office, that there are other checks and balances in the United States government if they feel the person who's in the executive office is unfit they should act and voters should act accordingly if they feel the same way that's the to the extent that i'm going to speak on that just because i don't want to i don't want my politics out there and i i, I don't want to be speaking on shit that i'm not qualified to speak on in terms of you know we talk about politics on this pod specifically because it's very much about that but mm-hmm I don't need my shit aired out there and i i see both sides of almost everything as myself and I'm just say, he's getting a lot better ladies and gentlemen because when it first came to getting him up here he's a little bit more nervous opening well, up a lot more to you guys 
I didn't want my last name out there, and it's not really out there. If you're going to follow the Instagram that's tagged on this, you're going to find out. But, like, right. dude, like, I, I am say my over me name. Yeah. No, you yeah. I, I, I talk to you like I know you. I don't, exactly. call you I, don't, I, don't, I don't call you Mookie, and I know that's how you're referred to on this podcast. I, I am who I am. I have my beliefs as they are. If you want to know me as a person, you can find out if you want to catch up with me. But I, I, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be on some soapbox on a podcast. Like, if you want to know me, come find out. It, that, 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 that's how it is. That, that, that's how I want to be about it. I got you there, bro. <sighs> we are and, on and to... I was going to say, too, um, that's how you would think this would end, right? But it doesn't. Yeah, because we, I mean, shit, I'm, I, I was going to get, what's the name of part of the way or whatever, uh, Bangelsdorf, because I want to save the livings for last. Yeah, sure. So, you know, he's free, and he goes to, you know, I guess it's like synagogue from earlier in the episodes. Yep. And, I mean, that shit is empty compared to what it was earlier when it was, I mean, you had to, you could barely even find a seat. Dude was wrong, straight up. And yeah. that's the visual evidence of it. If we're going to stay with Bingelsdorf, you're going to get to that scene where the two dudes. Talk- yeah, he was talking to the same two dudes, and he's just going off on all these crazy conspiracy theories about what's going on, why Lindbergh. He was, be- he was being blackmailed. I tried to tell. It was the Nazis, and they was doing everything they had his son. They recruited the son to the Hitler Youth in Germany and all this. He was nonsense. raised as a Nazi. Evelyn did the same thing earlier when she was talking to Bess. She was like, he was captured by the Canadian government. They did all this shit. Bess, um, Bess treated her the same way that these guys treated Bengelsdorf. Cut the shit. Which is, <laughs> Cut the shit. Yeah, which is to say, you're lost at this point. You think what you think, and you're hearing what you're hearing, and this is your whole narrative on how you think this is playing out in general. We don't give a fuck. Uh, you seem literally fucking crazy, and I'm not going to go out here either and speak on conspiracy theory. I like conspiracy theories, but I'm not right. going to be a full-on supporter of crazy conspiracy theories, and that's what they're doing at this point. And it's right. insane. It sounds insane. And yeah, it's not like they're eye siding each other and being like, we need to get a new rabbi, basically. Because our our whole thing is fucked at this point. There's no one here. I'm going to just say at the end here, before we get on to the last thing, last big thing or whatever. Yep. Don't be on the wrong side of history. Well... To be fair, there's no way to know if you're on the wrong side of history until it's written. So I feel like I, 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 you're completely right there, Jack, and Jack is the more reasonable one. But me, I'm just like, I say it all the time, whatever, and I have a couple of homies who literally we joke about this a lot. Don't try and be that guy where it's like, oh, I'm just going to do this because it's different, like, a.k.a. whatever. And I'm just really going to say this because Jack can't. Don't be the nigga trying to be too different. It ain't cool. It's not that I Some can't. Some shit is just dope. Some shit is just not the wave. That's simple. 
it's not that I can't, it's that I won't. I, I, I just don't want to be <laughs> on, on a recording that someone can see at some point and just pinpoint what I think at the time. Because my feelings about a lot of things have changed over the time. I used to be a stouch atheist. When I was in college, I was this guy that was saying, God doesn't exist. Fuck you if you think he does. And like, my feelings then have changed. And it's not that they've really changed in my own head, but it's like the persona that I put out in the world. I don't want to shit on you if you think you believe in God or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hate on people for their beliefs. If you believe this one thing, I can disagree with you. But that doesn't mean we have to hate each other. So, like, at this point, I find myself to be agnostic as it is. Like, if God exists, great. If he doesn't, great. I'm a man of science. I think the universe exists as it does. Everything is what it is for whatever reason. No one knows the answer. So why do I have to shit on you because you think to directly the series? Maybe the Old Testament is right. Maybe the New Testament is right. Maybe the Quran is right. I don't care. Like it, It's not my area of argument to get into any of that. So I put that all aside. I, I, my position is I don't know. Right. And I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your arguments about the way you feel. If you're going crazy about it, I'm going to stop you and give you my thoughts. But, like, you know, whose place is it to put down anyone else about anything in general? That's kind of, like, where this whole series gets to. And that's why I'm so excited that we got to talk about it for – dude, we're on, like, what, like 12 hours now? Maybe more? <laughs> I mean, who like, knows, like, bro? Shit. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to count it, but like, if if you feel strongly about something about this, talk to me about it. I would be more than happy to have the conversation. I have my beliefs. You I guess too. I'll just say. I guess I'll just say like we're willing to talk and have an open conversation. It's not just no, you don't agree with me. You're wrong. Like, Wh- like which is like, the same the fucking thing that David Simon ended his shit with. Not only do we have to vote and be um, constructive citizens in a democracy, but you have to be able to have open conversations with people about your beliefs. Because if you don't, and you just hardline everything forever with your own beliefs, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to change anything you ever think, and you're not going to change anyone else's beliefs that they think, because if you just hardline everything, they'll just pass you off as not being real about anything to begin with. So it's just going to be a stagnant narrative that you have for the rest of your life. I don't want that for myself. In the words of TLC, that's actual and factual. Straight up. You ready for the 11th? Yep. I was going to get the big part out of the way before we end with the final scene, well, big scene or whatever. Yep. Alvin brings Minna home for dinner. I thought this was going to be great. But it's not. <laughs> God, I, I dude, I, I was so fucked up right here too. So, so he he rolls in in the new Plymouth, got the fresh car, got the uh, fresh suit, and immediately pisses Herman off. Right? Yeah, he is over it and everything. I mean, he's like everyone else. I mean, like everyone else seemed like they hit it off good. You know, men and um, Bess are talking about recipes and shit. Yeah, but you know, it's just Herman, like. Herman and Alvin are completely different people, 
and it fleshes itself out to an extent here. But like Herman just can't get over the fact that he's flashing himself off, which again, this is my whole thing. Alvin is mobbed up and Herman knows it. That's my whole point about this. Didn't he have this cigar literally at dinner? I mean, he wasn't smoking it, but it was like there. He was smoking the cigar, I think. And Alvin's Alvin's talking about how Mr. Shap has his whole new steakhouse. He's got his lobster house. I'm a manager. Like, I'm coming up in the world, which is the same kind of thing that Herman did to a lesser extent. Like, he worked for MetLife for this whole time. He came up in the world. He's able to afford having a family and all this. But Herman's seeing it from a totally different perspective for whatever reason. But it's just because their whole worldviews are so dichotomously opposed to each other. Right. And it plays out over the dinner. I love Selden was the first one to leave. (laughs) I love that too. Yeah, he was like, fuck this. This is not my thing. He's like, yo, I am out. And slowly as the children leave, I mean, we're getting into, you know, I mean, Hermit just shitting on him. And I mean, do do you want to say the infamous Alvin lines? Um, Yeah, I got to find this part in my notes. A little bit. Because I remember a little bit, but I know you probably have the full ass like bars written and everything. Because I mean, and I know I I get it. I get it. I get it. Alvin is not he is like you said, he's mobbed up. But like at the same time, too, he literally said he he, he uh, here's a quote. There's a quote, and it's one of my favorite podcasts, even though sometimes they just get out, they just get out there with bashing. He read him. He read the fuck out of him. Like some people don't like what they see in the mirror. So you tell them about themselves, they can't handle it. So Herman's giving him shit about everything. He's saying basically something to the effect of, do you understand what is going, what is happening with the Jews in this country? And that's when Alvin lights off. By the way, I'm just going to point this out. He was mm-hmm. clearly he was clearly drunk, right? Oh, Alvin. Max, come on now. Yeah, like it's been a whole dinner. They've probably had a bunch of wine. I mean, they showed like some. They showed most of the food getting like ate up or whatever already. So, Alvin at the head of the other side of the table, you're gonna bring up the Jews. I wrecked my life for the Jews. I gave my leg for the Jews. I gave my leg for you. Straight up, just talking about how. Herman never acted on his words. You just what? sit in front of the radio and complain. Not and only just sitting in front of the radio, you sit in front of the radio and complain all day. I went out there. I acted for myself. I put myself on the front fucking lines for the Jews. And this gets back to his whole thing about when he was talking to the blonde chick in the bed where he's like, it's not that I'm Jewish. It's that I was born Jewish. Right? Like, I don't identify with this whole thing, but if they're going to come at me, fuck them. I don't deserve to die for the way I was born. So he is, he's not, like, religiously a Jewish person. And I think that's what he's getting at in this argument. is like, bro, like, I stood up for y'all. You're the traditional Jewish family. You're the ones that have been out here representing all this stuff. But what did you do? And and Herman comes back at him a little bit and is trying to like talk him down, talk about how I spoke out this whole time 
against him, and Alvin comes back with the bar of the fucking episode. Come on now, hit it. When do you motherfuckers ever act? You speak all day, but when do you act? And that is the point that I made last episode about Herman. He finally attended the rally. He finally did something. Maybe he was held back by Bess, but that's not the point. He's been on this from the start. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't willing to participate until until it was way too late. It, there are reasons for that. And I I... I want to say this, but I want to say it just again, quoting David Simon. They're both right, but they're both wrong. And they they will never have the conversation with them that they should have had where Alvin talks about his time serving in war. Herman talks about his time risking his goddamn life with his son to go get Selden out of Kentucky. And Alvin's never going to talk to anyone about the fact that he was called back to action in order to potentially shoot down Lindbergh's plane in order to end all this because he's not, he's not going to talk about that because the FBI was already following him for his first action. So he can't be honest about that, but they never have that conversation with each other. And this is like some old school men bullshit that we couldn't talk about our feelings for fucking ever, which finally Shit, feels like now. it's over. Now. It's still now, but it feels like, you know, like people that are raising kids now, I feel like, Dads are a lot more open with their children about their feelings, and that's a good thing. Like, you should be open with your feelings. You shouldn't have to bottle everything up in life. So it's so frustrating that the fact that they should agree with each other. I mean, I, I openly acknowledge the fact that when Herman goes to visit Alvin, mm-hmm. he is straight up viewing him as a hero for his yeah. actions that he took. But they can't see each other like that at this point. It's like they almost reverted back to literally like episode one. Exactly. And and the only reason that Herman has that perspective is because Alvin is doing well in the world. That's fucked in its own right. And maybe it's because Herman feels like he had to take this shit-ass job to stay with his fight and what he wanted to do with this. But that's Jealousy? not you. That's him. Like, you're projecting. Pretty much. I mean, you said it so gratefully, dude. So fin- finish the fight for me because I just spoke for way too long. The fucking fight was crazy, bro. Like, I mean, literally, they start breaking glass doors. I mean, just, I think there was like two glass doors being broken. Like, yeah. Bess and Mena are kind of just being like, yo. I mean, Bess is like, yo, my house. Like, what the fuck, son? Like, God, bro. Right. <laughs> bro, when they got into the fucking, I mean, it wasn't exactly a choke slam, but like kind of low key a rock bottom into the table. I was so ready for your wrestling reference. For yes, that you know what's <laughs> the fucking rock bottom, literally. Like, I mean, is into the fucking table and shattered the glass table, and his leg came off. Yo, when his fucking leg was off at the end, I was like, "How are you not sympathetic now to this point, Herman?" I mean, you're fighting a dude on one leg. I mean, you should, you should have been sympathetic from get go, but I mean, you already I fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Like he's so much in his fields as far as like, oh, well, you know, like my nephew is this now or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yo, you, like he he was literally the same guy. And then from a couple at, episodes ago, after the fact, both their women are just nursing them and nursing groups. them or whatever. Like, I mean, fucking like I think Herman's arm is like ripped up a little bit. Fucking Alvin's back is just 
Ooh, that is some classic 40s shit. Your women just nurse you, don't talk to each other, like, pass it off. It's fine. The fact that they were uh, still in the same house was like, yo, that's crazy. Well, that's the thing, and that's what gets to the root of the issue, is um, Bess casted off Ev. Like, there's a point in which family is family, and you fucked up. But I don't think anyone, even Herman, after this, is ready to cast off cast off Alvin. Though it seems like it's going that route, right? Yeah. So, like, there's still a mutual respect level there, but they don't agree ideologically. So that may play out in whatever fashion, but we don't see that. It's not going to be addressed. The series is over until... With well, the, no, what else ain't going to be addressed? I'm going to let you tackle this whole last part. I'm going to, of course, talk, too. But I'm, I'm just going to say we are at Election Day, November 1942. Sandy's drawn. November 3rd, 1942. I'm just going to address the one last thing that Philip walks up to his room where Sheldon walked up. Sheldon. I said Sheldon. Yes, yes, yes. Sheldon, like, walks up, and he's, just, like, to a, a crying Philip, like. And just puts his arm around him. And they're, no they're, dialogue. No they're dialogue. Best, they're besties now. Straight up. Are your best friend now? But not like that. Because that's not how you do it. When you're emotionally in the situation and you console a friend, that's when you become friends. They finally hit there, bro. So finish off the post scene. We are at election day. You said November 3rd, right? Because I just put November. Yep. 1942. Sandy's drawing people who are waiting in line to vote. Um, you know it's we're the, seeing all it's the voting the special like it's the special election of 1942 to reelect the president after the, all of this went down. Evelyn's over it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of skipping around here because I know you're gonna get in the little depths of it. Evelyn's over it because she can hear all the people out there. I think there's like a Roosevelt thing, a chant or something at one point. She like closes the window and that's the last we see of her and. Rabbi Bangelsdorf, you know, and my, my, the synagogue and everything that they tried to put me in is this is absolutely ridiculous. I tried to tell them that Charles Lindbergh had nothing to do with this. This is absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's wrong. Switch back, switch back in the character. Um, we see a gang. I literally wrote a gang, 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 gang of ballots just getting burned. And I'm going to let you go in on a lot of this shit before we get to the final last thing we see. Go ahead. So have you ever heard of the black hat, white hat thing in terms of like cowboy movies? Yes. So the only fedora we've seen in the series to this point is that dude coming out of the election, um, whatever, um, space with the ballot booth. Some guy's like, what are you doing with that? He's like, it's broken. Shut the fuck up. And then he loads it in the back of a truck, and then they end up in some random-ass field, and they're just straight-up burning ballots. So Black Hat, he's the bad guy, right? He's bad. burning ballots, and they also seem to have— Yeah, for sure. They <laughs> seem to have some kind of influence over the fact that this election may not play out the same way you want to see it play out. And they don't address it in the episode. In the book, FDR gets reelected, and it's all well, good, send off, feel off. 
David Simon made a point to not resolve the election, show that kind of thing going on in the background just to let you know that not everything's been resolved. You know what I mean? Like not everything that you think is going to happen, everything's going to be well off, good off, it's going to happen. And they don't resolve the election. The last shot of the episode is the radio turning from yellow down to orange, which is supposed to pa- show the passage of time for the election night like it did earlier in 1940. So who knows what happens? It's left ambiguous for, for a purpose. And, he and I'm not mad says, about it. Like, you know, certain things. He says, he <laughs> says in the episode that... um. It's meant to drive you to want to participate in this current election. He had a executive at HBO who talked him into the fact that they should end the episode this way if it were to land in a in a election year and election year, um, specifically for that purpose. If you're feeling some kind of way about how things are going right now, go vote. Go do something about it. Do your civic duty. Shout out to Jack, too. He was also actually one of the vocal points that got me to start voting locally, not just, you know, in the main big presidential like election, but just, you know, voting locally in my city. Local elections matter. I remember we talked about that way back in 2016. And I'm not saying I'm some kind of civic hero. I, give yourself some fucking credit sometimes man I mean, I'm not, no i'm just saying i didn't like, say that either but i'm simply saying when we had that conversation back at your place back then i was like i should do that and i've done it ever since no you're right i i voice off on these things from time to time so it, it's true it's important like if 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 you think things are bad nationally and you also think things are bad locally you're supposed to vote on these issues you might not win and if you're in the minority in your region the only way you stay in the minority is if you don't vote too so like get involved in your process if you want to see change and then if you want to see more change support people that are running for office that you support for if you have to give them money contributions whatever tell your friends tell a friend it's the fucking it's like promoting a podcast it's the same goddamn thing i just want to say yeah literally and it's slipping it's slipping it's slipping it's slipping damn it it's slipping don't slip god lost it oh you're fine all right let me uh just end with this because this is the last thing i have to say um the book ended with pearl harbor which ended up resetting the historical context of the whole thing um burton k wheeler who was another isolationist we already talked about the fact that when pearl harbor happened Lindbergh went to war um the vice president in the series when pearl harbor happened his quote was the only thing to do now is to lick the hell out of them so that's what happened in the end of the book that's not what happened in the end of the show um also with pearl harbor happening fdr got reelected, but we don't get that version here and it's intentional on david simon's part He's a very liberal guy. If you watch The Wire, you're going to feel that. Um, he's done other stuff, too. He's written books. He's made other shows. He's a very incredible showrunner, and I'm very thankful for 
the experience we got with this up with this show because I thought I thought it was fucking great. And the last thing I'm gonna rail off about is that this is how it happens. Yeah. If you think that tomorrow America is gonna change and become some communist nation, you're a fucking idiot. But if you don't pay attention and you don't participate in politics as a whole, and I'm not saying like go out there and be a political candidate if you don't want to be, don't go out there and not participate or participate in some shit that's just like random, not that impactful nonsense. But if you're not going to be a participant in democracy and you're going to complain about democracy, if you want to be a libertarian or a communist or whatever the fuck you think is going to change this country, the America is what it is. For all the downsides that it has, the actual principles that were put in place from the get-go were good. And it's the best that we have so far. So if you don't want to participate in politics as a whole and then you want to bitch about it go fuck yourself get out there be a part of the narrative it's hard to educate yourself on all the candidates it's hard work to keep up with all that stuff but if you want to complain about it at least be educated about it i'm done couldn't could not have said it better myself i remember exactly what i was about to say um better ending than game of thrones 100 percent <laughs> at least it gave you something to think about and we you know like the whole Lindbergh thing in the book was just lost like no one knows what happened and he was running against fdr for the re-election fdr wins in the show Lindbergh shows back up we don't know what happens he's running against fdr and we don't know what the conclusion is i think it's smart the way they designed it so people can if they want to watch the show Follow it. See what happens. This is the same point I made earlier. The one fact about history is that it repeats itself because we never fucking learn. No one ever fucking learns from studying history. If they do, they understand the fact that it repeats itself. But the general populace will repeat itself till the end of time. It's the same shit I was talking about with the 1940s shit, the America first isolationist policies. They're just rehashed for its own thing. People don't realize that kind of shit. So we're stuck in an internal narrative of forever repeating the same thing over and over again. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends. Talk about what's going on in your life, what you're seeing and what you're doing. Don't do it at a dinner party. Don't do it when you're trying to hang out and have fun. But don't be silent about how you feel about things because that's how history just ends up repeating itself over and fucking over again. Like like racism continues, fucking rallies against gay people continues forever because the same rhetoric comes up over and over again. Don't subscribe yourself to that. Be your own fucking person and have your own goddamn thoughts about things and speak. I, I I told you I I cannot say this better myself, man. I love it. I you you, you killed it, bro. I don't even got nothing else, man. I, I, me neither. That was it. I I got nothing else. I I loved this show, and I think it was really important and um important. I'm I'm literally glad that we even talked. I mean, shit. Looking back now, six weeks ago, and we discussed and we talked and we did this. I'm so glad. 
I think it was great, and I it's a shame if you haven't watched it. You wouldn't be listening to it if you haven't watched it. But Who wouldn't be getting this deep if you hadn't listened? If you hadn't watched, it? I mean, come on now. If if you watched it, tell your fucking friends to watch it. Like the, it it it's important. It people I've need been to understand. People to watch it. Yeah, me too. I've been doing the same thing. People need to watch this. People need to understand. Uh, hopefully, and <laughs> that this is like the root end of how democracy works. So, like, if you want to live in a free country, pay attention to the shit that's going on around you and speak your mind. We great we have shit. to end this. This is way too long. <laughs> great, great shit, Jack. This is so dope. I mean, like we always say, before we get up out of here. Remember, rate, like, comment, subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend. April Fool's, or it's April Fool's um, playlist on Apple and Spotify. All the links and everything below in the description, wherever you're listening to at, on Apple, Spotify. I mean, Google Play, all the other stuff, Stitcher, CastBox, anything, Podian, you know, whatever. Shout out to them, you know, my my own platform, or whatever. At least that's what I use. Um, um, my last thing, um, mm-hmm. just to quote the Old Testament: "Love your neighbor." Yeah, don't be like the ID channel. Hate, you know, <laughs> love thy neighbor, but they end up killing each other. Whatever, good lord. I mean, love everyone as they are their own person, but love your neighbor and talk to them. Figure out what's going on in your life and act on it. Talk to people, man. So that's pretty much it. Talk. Have these conversations. Yep. So dope. Appreciate it, like always. HBO, The Plot Against America. So What's the dope. next show, man? What's the next show? We got to figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. We can't, we can't reveal too much. You know, we'll, we'll speak no. on that. Absolutely. We'll, we'll speak on that because we don't want to say something that end up not happening and everything. But we did talk. I told you I'm into talks or in the works of talking to a couple of homies about something that I want to get out to the people. Maybe you guys will hear before the, the next time it drops. Hmm, That's a little sneak peek. But who knows? Mookie, two three hour podcasts in a row. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> With our lives. Hey man, look, hey, we can't say shit. Cause me and Jack just like to talk. This is our, like, this, <laughs> this, this, this literally our fucking phones on conversations. Oh, don't give it's us just, too much. Inside. Y'all get to hear it now. I'm trying to tell you. Yep. So in this like we always do, Coco done got on and off the couch like 50, 11 times. It's all goody though. I don't know what your cat's doing over there, but you Did know, not breaking the room first time. <laughs> So we're going to end this like we always do. Shout out to Jack. Appreciate you like always. Getting you on sometime. Jack's not going to just steer clear of me. I won't let him, guys. Never will. I'm Mookie. And until next time, we are...